Hello, Chomp Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sore Chomp, and a podcast where if you listen long enough, your pets who accidentally come into contact with radioactive slime and become badass, gun-wielding warriors will grow an additional limb because of your due diligence of listening to us. If this is your first time being here, I want to say a big welcome. And if you have a free moment, please hit the subscribe button. It would mean the world to us as we continue to get the Sword Chomp name out there. We have a jam-packed show today as we discuss how much review scores and reviews influence our purchasing power and personal tastes. We have a surprisingly short game list this week as we sit down with Biomutant and an airport for aliens currently run by dogs. We have social media polls voted on by you, the listeners, which should be a lot of fun. And lastly, we have some Patreon shoutouts to get to this week, which you won't want to miss. So let's get into some intros so you can put some names to the voices of the people that you will be hearing today. First, we have the man who will class up a joint by telling you of his exquisite experiences at a vineyard with some fine ladies and chaps. And in the same breath, talk about drunkenly and slovenly cramming slices of greasy pizza pizza down his gullet like an emaciated pelican. Mr. New York, New York himself. No, I'm not talking about Frank Sinatra. I'm talking about Rich Meister. Rich, how are you doing, buddy? How was your week? It was nice. Um, as it's you know, it's funny you mentioned that because while we were out there, I actually got some pizza that had arugula on it, and I kept talking about the arugula because I was like, I like arugula is good, man. Like, there's a nice sauce on there. I thought there wouldn't be a sauce; it would be too dry. I don't know. I like arugula. Um, I... Arugula is <laughs> nice, but I, I feel like arugula is just spinach it's... that wanted to sound fancy. Maybe. Uh, it's a good leafy green. I like, I like a spinach as well. Um, I don't know. I guess that's all I have to say about arugula. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the unexpected arugula bit of 2021. No, how, how has everything else been, man? Like, what have you been up to this week? Uh, working, trying to work through that Mass Effect collection to get a review up for y'all. Uh, product update, everyone. Uh, that review should probably be up in the middle of the, the week you are listening to this podcast on because I'm finally into Mass Effect 3. Um, it's oh, happening. Uh, I'm going to get that off my plate. Uh, this unopened copy of uh, Nocturne is giving me looks. Uh, Biomutant is going to get the due attention it deserves because it's also giving me looks. There's too many video games, man, and I got to I gotta get out of the house and, and experience some world now that uh, the, the world is opening up a bit as yeah. well. Yeah. What's what's your next order of business for when you leave your apartment? Where do you what do you want to do? Um, well, I got to go to work in the morning. Well, I don't mean that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like when you have your next free amount of time, you have nothing to do. You're exiting your apartment in New York City. What's the first thing you're going to do? Uh, a friend actually just texted me. Um, and asked me if we could do, tr- uh, we could do trivia night, uh, sometime this week. Cause you know, people want to mine my, my, uh, plethora of useless knowledge. 
And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm, I, I'll do fucking trivia night. I like a good trivia night. There you so go. bar trivia, that's what's up next. Hey, right. at least you get to feel useful. That's, somebody's got to make me feel like I'm, I'm contributing something, right? No, you're, you know what, Rich? You're always contributing. Every week you come here, every time you talk down to me. I mean, the possibilities are endless for how you can feel useful. Just have better opinions and I won't have to talk down to you. I have pretty good opinions. Yeah, I'm most pretty proud of, the time. of my opinions. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think that can be said of all three of us. We have some pretty pretty awesome opinions and mm-hmm. some pretty shit opinions sometimes. As long as we're honest with I don't ourselves. I think about so. It. Yeah. I know. I know, Rich. But thank you for being here. I'm excited to talk with you about Biomutant and the other game that you and Josh have been playing. But speaking of that, I am also joined <laughs> by a man who has been known to dig through ancient catacombs and battle mummies, zombies, animated skeletons, and even a surprisingly brave toucan in over 50 countries in search of the most aged and preserved wine known to humanity. No place is safe as he scours the landscape for the most delectable of spirits. Give it up for Josh Fowler. You hear that, Thank Josh? You. All those applause. Yeah. Mm. It's nice. Woo! It's nice. Feels, feels nice. I'm still not sharing, but uh, feels nice. Well, uh... That's years of me I, I might share. trying to butter you Think up, Josh, to get a glass of wine uh, wasted mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. No, but how are you, man? How was your week? Um, busy. Too busy. Still trying to get three busy. Bunch of stuff Four taken busy. care of with uh, insurance and whatnot with a totaled car. And uh, everything that entails, which, yeah. So uh, fun. Yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. So, so doing that. Yeah, meanwhile, I, also trying to figure out how to go out of town next week. Um, so, man, yeah. It sounds like you are living the life right now, Josh, that others would only dream of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, th- so hopefully I think they'd wake some up, people though. would. I think some people would. They'd be like, oh, man, first world problems. I dream of actually having those instead of the other problems that I have, you know, I guess, in some ways, shape or form. Yeah, but, yeah that still doesn't mm-hmm. sound fun at all. <laughs> but you don't understand. My boss was mean to me. <laughs> Rich, how will you ever recover? I don't know. Probably drinking a lot. <laughs> Hashtag first world problems. I had a really, really great, uh, this, uh, Black cherry cider, uh, when I was out there this past weekend. Mm, that um, sounds great, dude. It was quite delicious. Black cherry's always really good. It's, it's not like, like a lot of artificially and naturally flavored cherry stuff always has a, almost cough syrup, taste to it. Like what, however minor or major that flavor or that cough syrup flavor is, it usually is there. But with like black cherry stuff, I don't know. It's the cherry's a little bit more refined and subtle. So I feel like that would work for a cider really well. It was quite nice. Would recommend. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think we need to get a review of that black cherry cider up on the site, Rich. I'm working on it right now. 
Can you hear oh. the click clack? Yeah, I can. I totally hear that. But um, no, I'm glad you're here, Josh, as Rich took your intro from you. <laughs> yeah, no, you got derailed. I, uh, and uh, I'm Shay. Oh, go ahead, Rich. Go ahead. No, you finish. I'll go after. No, I didn't mean to so rudely interrupt your second intro. <laughs> I'm just gonna no, make just... a nice can crack right here. Mm-hmm. There That's you go. Stuff. There you go. No, I'm Shay. I'm here from Japan. Uh, not a lot of exciting stuff happened this week. I had a lot of uh, appointments and stuff like that. Doctor's appointment, other various appointments, very adult, boring responsibility shit. Um, I got some new running shoes. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm gonna start Ooh. running again. I know. What are you very, running very from? Exciting stuff. Um, I the pain been playing Biomutant. Other than that, just enjoying teaching this week. I I have a small funny story for you guys. Uh, as you can imagine, when elementary school kids are, you know, they're starting to get older. They're starting to experiment and learn about the world, and it comes out in different ways. So yesterday I was um, walking around and helping some of the students clean. And there's this third grade girl. She runs up to me with the broom between her legs. I'm like, oh, are you Harry Potter? And she's like, no, Chin Chin. And I was like, oh, you sis prick. Chin Chin in Japanese is penis. Um, and, she, and she has the broom sticking out enough to where it looks like a penis. I was like, oh, Harry Potter. And she's like, nani kore? Like, what's that? And I was like, Harry Potter? You know, like Harry Potter? And she's, she looks at me, and I was like, doing like wand movements. She's like, oh, Harry Potter. No, Chin Chin. I was like, Harry Potter. And she got annoyed with me and just walked off. So like, that's, <laughs> that's what I got to do at that it's a age. Penis, is sir. Like, I don't know what they're trying to say. That way they mm-hmm. don't continue to engage. And uh, uh, I, I have those moments. Like, um, yeah, I, I, I was surprised, but then I remember at that age where I, I don't know why it reminded me of this, but I remember in the first grade, I was eating lunch outside. It was like a special day where we got to eat lunch outside for some reason. I might've even they were been fumigating the school. first grade and, um, I'm, I'm having SpaghettiOs with meatballs and this this kid comes up to me and is like, oh, fancy motherfucker with meatballs. There. I'm like, yeah, I don't really balls. like them. And they're like, why? And I said, because they look my, like my little meatballs in my pants, and I can't imagine eating those. And I don't know why I remember that still to this day. That's a memory that I have. Uh, this when better I was not awaken young. anything in me. And then I started like looking at my own little meatballs in my pants and like like at that age you're trying to figure shit out you don't quite entirely understand everything and so i i it's interesting to see that kind of shit manifest in the students that i'm teaching you know um where guys and girls pretend like they have boobs or like boys and girls i should say because they're very young or uh penises and uh they're they have no like social boundaries so i've caught elementary school kids just scratching themselves underneath their underwear and then just sniffing their hands or they don't do anything with it and then they try and run at you later and like touch you and you're like get get the fuck away from me i don't know i don't know where what 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 level of cleanliness is going on but i don't want to be touched with that you know it's interesting and it makes me very very thankful that in 2021 
at least in Japan, over 95% of people are still wearing masks because uh, the amount of germs that I probably would have been exposed to in the past year plus is considerably larger. And uh, thankfully, I, I really haven't gotten sick as of yet since wearing the mask. So it's been nice. It's been nice. But I figured you guys Hoorah. would appreciate the, that little funny story of my student pretending she had a penis and me pretending she was Harry Potter. <sighs> Children. Mm. What can you do? But anyways, let's get into the topic of the show. I am really, really, really fucking excited for this, guys. So I wanted to introduce a topic in a different way this week. I haven't told the guys that I was doing this. So I'm really, really, I'm, oh man, I'm so excited. Welcome to our brand new game show called Guess That Number. We won't be able to hear the music, you guys, but you know what? You, the listeners, you will be able to hear the music. I've actually dropped some music for Josh in the in the chat that he will hopefully edit into later. It's very short music. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. So here's how the game works, gentlemen. In our chat that we can all see are going to be the names of five games. I haven't put them in there yet, but give me a minute. I want to introduce the game first. I'm going to give you five Metacritic scores individually. Your job is to match each score with its coinciding game without cheating or looking it up. When you think you have all five matched correctly, I will tell you how many you have correct. You will get one chance afterwards to fix any mistakes that you have made to try and get a perfect score. You are working together, collaborating to accomplish this most difficult of tasks. Do you understand the rules, boys? Sure. <laughs> okay. Give me a few seconds. You guys can talk amongst each other while I put the five games in the chat. So, um... <laughs> I didn't really come prepared with anything. Um, we really... <laughs> We really blew all that beaver talk in the pre-show. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Should have saved some of that. Should have saved it. Yeah. That's really... That's the content. The content. What the fuck am I saying? Um, did you know there are moogles in Mario Hoops 3-on-3? Three three? What? Square Enix made that game. And there's Final Fantasy characters in it. Oh my goodness. Okay. That seems like an odd studio it, to hand that off it's, to. It's, uh, they made that and I think they made the, the sports collections. Whatever the two GBA sports games that are, Square Enix published them. Okay. Or, or like, it, it, Square Enix handled it internally and then, like, they just went back to Camelot for the sports games after that. I don't know. Okay. Okay, so that was probably the worst uh, stalling I've ever heard, but we're back. Um, mm -hmm. We're into That's the a great game. story. Yeah, sure. Um, we're back into... <laughs> no, it was good. It just took you like 20 seconds to get there. No, um, we are back and into the game show. The boys have the five games 
that they are going to be looking at today. And I will tell you, the listeners, number one, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered for the PS4. Number two, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the Dreamcast. Number three, Tekken 3 for PlayStation 1. Number four, Star Wars The Force Unleashed for the PS3. And number five, Cyberpunk 2077 for PC. That's a These one. are the five games today. I'm going to give you a score. You must assign it to each game. Are you guys ready? Sure. Josh, whatever the All lowest right. one is, we just slap that on Cyberpunk immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Okay. Although I remember so that getting score. good reviews. I, I don't mm. know. It depends when this snapshot was taken. I assume right now, so. It Fair. was taken as of right. two hours ago. Yeah. Okay. All right, so your first score is 96. Um, Where do you guys want to place it? I'm thinking that's Tony Hawk. For the Dreamcast, though, is the thing I'm not but, sure about. The thing, I don't remember how the Dreamcast version... It's not the N64 version. It's not what I would call the bad version. I'd imagine the Dreamcast version probably performed pretty well. Yeah, but that's what I was trying to remember. Looking at what else is there. The only other thing I could even That's the only see thing that on I the, think it could possibly be other the than only, possibly Tekken, but maybe Tekken. Yeah. Um, but like Tekken Tek, by Tekken three, I'm picturing that hanging more in like between yeah. eight and a nine space. That's yeah, it's kinda of what I was thinking too. I think that's Tony Hawk feels like the only one that it could be remotely that high. Yeah. I just it's the four Dreamcast bit that it's throwing that me. Throws that throws me, yeah. yeah. Like, if it were for N64, I'd be like, there's no way. Yeah. Want to play Tony Hawk with one thumbstick? Yeah, because two is the... Yeah. Two, two is... Two is three. the PS2 Tony Hawk version? Y- yeah. the first PS2 one? Yeah, no. There's the second y- PS2 one. Even three is on the PS1. Is it? Okay. All right. I, th- I think we're still going with that, but... Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, Tony history. Okay. So, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the Dreamcast. You guys give the 96. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, we have 85. Hmm. I, I feel like it's probably Tekken. It could, it could even be Star Wars. We need some thinking music here. I could see that going to the Final Fantasy VIII remaster. Yeah, I was thinking that's t- entirely possible too. I'm sorry, Shay. Did you already say this? Did, did you say what outlet uh, these reviews are from? Which one? What? What? Did, did you say what outlet? Oh, this, uh, is this is all just. Oh, this, this is, is the Metacritic, all just Metacritic okay. scores. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, um, Metacritic. I'm comfortable with saying Final Fantasy. It could be Final Fantasy. Yeah. This this 85 me 85 means. Somebody may or may not have ever reviewed this game is what 85 means. So it, either two people gave this a really good score or a million people gave it an eight and occasionally someone gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, so but again, those, those scores pop up because nobody's actually ever played it and written yeah. anything about it. So yeah, I'm thinking Star Wars is going to be more around like a, a between a six and a seven. Yeah, because that one. Okay. All right. Yeah. That sounds about right. Cool. 
Okay, next. 80. The score is 80. Which game does 80 go to? I feel like that's, 80 even is the Tekken. That's mm. got to be Tekken. Don't you? Yeah. yeah right, it's kind of what I was thinking, too. I'm confident with Tekken, yeah. Okay. Okay. Tekken 3 gets a whopping 80 score. Next. I assume he's giving us his numbers in descending order. You might end up throwing us way off here. 71. The score to assign is 71. Where does it go, gents? I want to say this is not how I feel about cyberpunk. I feel like this is what it's going to be. I feel like it's more of like a 50. Yeah. Well, kind of what I was saying early, the early reviews for Cyberpunk were way higher than they should have been. Yes. So I'm thinking a lot of those are still down. there. And then they were dragged down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's been dragged down. I don't know the extent it's been dragged down to because I'm not going to go check up on Cyberpunk. Because I don't care. Metacritic. For, for whatever reason, for what this is worth, Well, Josh, also it's against the rules. Mm-hmm. Boys. For, for, uh, I think he meant outside of this. Yeah. Um, Just for, would for, not come up. For what it's for what it's worth, Josh. Mm-hmm. When I picture Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, and I like that game, for some reason, the glaring image of a six point seven appears in my head, which mm-hmm. makes me think it's lower than this. Yeah, like I remember that getting not great scores, and that's kind of. And I think two's the one people really like. Yeah, that's that, yeah. I'm. I'm stuck here because I don't know how far Cyberpunk fell because I've not looked into that in forever. I, I'm confident in committing this to Cyberpunk. Okay. Yeah, we can, yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess we'll have to see. We may okay. get this last number and it's going to be like way lower than we were thinking and it's going to, anyway. 20. Okay. So Cyberpunk 2077 at 71. The last score to assign, my friends, is 98. See, I knew this was going to happen. We, we, motherfucker. 98. God damn it. I mean, well, that's definitely actually Tony Hawk. Um, we'll have to switch it after. So I guess we got to slap that onto Star Wars. It's the only thing left at this point. Yeah. So we're kind of. Okay. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Obviously wrong, but he goes, yeah. I knew he was going to do uh, that. I knew it was going to be like a massive jump down. Like, also, there's a 20, or it's going to go all the way back, and it's going to be the, you know, the yeah. perfect score. And we fell for well, it you know anyway. How it goes. You know how it goes. It's a game. Mm-hmm. Can't make it too easy it for goes. you guys. So, the amount that you have correct, let's recap Tony Hawk at 96, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered at 85, Tekken 3 at 80. Cyberpunk 2077 at 71, and Star Wars The Force Awakens at 98. Those are the five you guys have locked in. You wrote The Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed, sorry. Which one are we? Force Unleashed. Which one is it? Sorry, Force Unleashed. I I said it wrong. That's my bad. Okay. The Force Unleashed at 98. You have zero correct. Mm -hmm. So you have one more chance to write the ship to get all five correct. Now, do you guys want a hint, or can you do it all yourselves? I mean, obviously that 98 goes, and then everything slides down the list, except for Cyberpunk, which was obviously not pulled down as far as it should have been. 
Yeah. We just want to bump uh, Tony Hawk to 98 and then slide everything else down one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so bumping Tony Hawk up to 98. Well, not yeah. just not just bump. We've got a... We've got a... Cyberpunk is now no longer the bottom. The Star Wars is the last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Star Wars is that, what, 71? Yeah, that was a 71. Okay. Um, Tony Hawk is a 98. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that, that sounds right. I think, I think we're there then. Um, so yeah, Tony Hawk's the 98. Uh, Tekken is the 96, we said? I don't remember if we had... Whichever order we had the Final Fantasy VIII and Tekken in. You guys put Tekken at 80. Same yeah. order. Well, yes, but that's before we had the 98. Uh-huh. Tony okay. Hawk's the 98. Tekken... But you have 85 as well. So Tekken's at 80 right now. You guys put Final Fantasy VIII Remastered at 85. So if, I don't know. by going that's by your guys' schematic, you would slide Tekken a lot of those over into 85. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have strong feelings about the whole... Although... 96 for the Final Fantasy VIII remaster. Mm. That's way too high. That sounds way too high, but who knows? I have no idea what sort of outlet even reviewed. Yeah, that's also a, really a good remaster. Point. So it might only be favorable stuff there. So I think we could still leave it as the 96, kind of like we were saying, but I don't know. If one of them was going to get something higher than that, I would. I feel like Tekken I, I is think, more likely oh, we, to be well, it, we know it's know. We also know it's not the 85, because it didn't. Yeah. Um, Alright, so hold on, let's just lock things in slowly. Tony Hawk is the 98. I'm gonna swing for the fences and say we'll make Final Fantasy that 96. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tekken 3, the next highest was, what, an 85? 85. So yeah, Tekken 3 at 85. And then what? And then what an is it after that? And a seventy-one. You'd eight, you'd have um. So it'd yeah, be Cyberpunk at eighty and seventy-one. And so Star yeah, Wars eight, at seventy-one. Eighty for Cyberpunk, seventy-one for Star Wars. Yeah. Which and is we'll absolutely a joke that Cyberpunk. Star Wars: is, The Force Unleashed is a way better game than Cyberpunk twenty seventy-seven. Uh-huh. There, I said it. All right. So. Yeah. I want to double check this. We have Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the Dreamcast, and this is by you guys, not, not the f- final official. You guys have listed that at 98. You have Star Wars The Force Unleashed for the PS3 um, at 71. You have Final Fantasy VIII Remastered for the PS4 at 96. You have Tekken 3 for the PlayStation 1 at 85. And you have Cyberpunk 2077 for the PC at 80. Is that correct? Probably not. Yeah, probably not, but we're, that's our final answer. Okay. Well, gentlemen, you have increased your score from zero to two. Good job. That's not bad. That's not bad. Good Which job, Which ones guys. did we get right? You guys got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the Dreamcast, correct? It is at 98. It is one of the um, highest games on Metacritic. You guys also got Star Wars The Force Unleashed for the PS3 at 71, correct? And actually, Rich, you had said that you had Which, thought uh, number two was better received. It was actually m- worse received. 
um, I learned today. Okay. I, I might have had that backwards. That. Hmm. No, it's all good. I didn't know hmm. that myself, so it's all good. Yeah. There's probably just so, a bigger hype train around it, which is why I think that way. Hmm. You guys had given Final Fantasy VIII Remastered the 96 when actually Tekken 3 for the PlayStation got a 96. Damn. Should have had more faith in Tekken. You should have. I was surprised to see that this morning, that it had such a high score. Um, You guys had put... You'd put Tekken 3 at the 85 when in actuality... Cyberpunk 2077 for the PC is wrong How anything with an 85 literally means... No one who actually played it wrote a review for it. I yeah, don't no, think I, that's I, the I case. Yeah. I think you Nobody who played Stadia that version. gave that an 85. Which Well, yeah. it's, more, it's more to me not that nobody reviewed it. It's that a game with that much buzz around it was reviewed by so many more people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about mm-hmm. than people who do. Well, that, that just, might the 85 the literally means nothing. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's, that's, that's the nothing of scores. It's like, I had no strong opinions one way or the other. This was inoffensive, I like, and I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like a 75 or a 70 would be more that, but fair enough. Fair enough. We can agree to this. Well, it should be. It should be a 50, but we don't actually use the fucking scale. We don't use the whole scale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for how know. long do I have I to argue that a 6 is good? A 70. But mm-hmm. let's discuss that later. Let's discuss that later. Let's get into the final score. Obviously, you guys had put Cyberpunk 2077 for the PC at 80, when in actuality it was... Final Fantasy VIII Remastered for the PS4 at 80, which is actually a lower score than the original had gotten, which I was actually incredibly surprised yeah. to see. The, the original no, I figured was in as much because That didn't surprise me. Yeah, because the remaster made all the graphics look terrible. It so. did very little for it. Uh, in terms of graphics, yes. In terms of playability, um, I definitely think the remastered is much better. But that doesn't matter. That yeah. is yeah, just being able to first... speed up all the drawing makes it better, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But either way, our first video game game show is in the books. I hope you gentlemen enjoyed yourself. I hope you as the listeners enjoyed yourselves. And the reason why I wanted to do that as a game show to introduce the topic is because I wanted to prove something, obviously, that Metacritic scores are an incredibly interesting thing. Reviewer scores and reviews in general are interesting in that they cannot be the determining factor, but a lot of people use them as the end-all, be-all of determining factors. And so I wanted to kind of use that as a way to launch into this topic. How much do review scores and reviews influence our personal purchasing power and our personal choices that we make, our, the things that we end up liking, the things that we don't end up liking, what kind of preconceived notions that we have going into some of these. And I thought that this demonstration was a really good way of showing that. So um, I'm going to throw it first to you, Rich. Uh, you have kind of a unique insight. You used to write for Destructoid uh, doing reviews and stuff like that. So I'm going to let you take it where you will. Sure. Um, yeah, no, when you told me we were going to do this topic, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts on reviews and review scores and all that sort of stuff. And part of that, along with a lot of our community feedback, uh, falls into why we ended up not doing scores. Um, we started putting reviews up. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that initially I wanted to do scores, but I, I see why for our audience, we wouldn't need them. 
Um, I've grappled with review scores for a long time. Uh, this might be a fun bit of insight a lot of people probably don't know, because um, Destructoid is one of the few outlets I worked for where the reviewer gets to assign their score. Um, a lot of people probably don't realize this, but at a lot of outlets, that's not how that works. Um, at a lot of outlets, you, as the reviewer, write your article, and you submit it to editorials, and then the editor decides what it reads like, and they assign the score. Which is not a system I am a fan of. Uh, That's interesting. Things like, things like the messenger it probably It makes it would... easier, because you only have to pay the manager for the higher score, and not anybody, you know. Yeah, no, you can or, cut out the middle down man the chain. there. Yeah, exactly. It's um, cheaper that it, way. It's one of those things where, like... It puts a little more weight in the reviewer's lap, and, like, who knows if things like The Messenger would have gotten 10 if that decision were not up to me. Uh, like, games like that that I felt really deserved it. Mm-hmm. Here is where I end up falling on review scores. There are a lot of people that live and die by them. In my time working in the mainstream games outlet, what I came to think, especially when it comes to crunch and getting a lot of articles in around the holiday times, for the most part, scores are not for people in our position they are not for people who play a lot of games um who can afford a lot of games and are just know what they like and are buying what they buy they're for holiday shopping guides and that's why i came to see the value in review scores like it's way easier for your uncle your aunt your grandma whoever who doesn't know shit about video games to hear the name of a game that they heard you might be interested Google it and see that Metacritic is giving it a nine and go, okay, that's a good gift. It, and mm-hmm. that is mostly where I think their value is because I do like to think, I don't necessarily know this is true, but I like to think the people that are doing their proper research aren't going to just live and die by the number and are going to take the time to read the things I wrote about the game and discern from there. Um, the way reviews affect me at this point in my life is in that way when I'm reading other people's reviews, which I do less and less of, especially now that I'm back to writing editorials for this website, because I like to stay away from other people's writing on things I might end up writing about un- until I've put that out in the world and then I'll see what other people had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't and, want it to influence what you're, go- what you're thinking about and the way you're processing everything. Exactly, yeah. I don't want somebody else's thoughts encroaching on my own um, and me sort of reiterating something that's been planted in my brain. And beyond that, I've come to trust reviews from certain people, and I think a lot of people develop this sort of relationship where they're like, I've been reading this author for years, I now know we have similar tastes, um, and so I'm going to trust their reviews. If they say a game is good, that's going to be enough for me to say, I'm probably going to like this. Um, a little different on my end because I, I more so trust, um, the reviews of people I know personally at this point, because I know how cruel or uncruel they can be. Um, I have plenty of friends who I'm not going to name because I don't want to, uh, influence anyone's takes on their writings that, um, I know, you know, X person's actually really harsh. So if they give something like a, a five, it's probably more of a six or a seven for me. Yeah. And I think one thing that's really cool about that is that reviewers nowadays they have to they don't have to but a lot of uh publicating websites or publishing website publicating publishing websites what they will do is they will have the person link their other reviews and their other editorials and stuff of that nature that way you can kind of just 
do a quick breeze through of some of their other viewpoints. And it reminds me very much of when I was uh, going to university and afterwards when I would reach, read scientific papers, I'd be working on scientific papers and whatnot of my own, that that's kind of the same process. When you are reading a scientific paper and it's information you want to use in your own science paper, one of the things that you have to do that you don't really consider when you are first entering the field of science is you actually have to, wh whichever paper you want to use potentially for your, for your own paper, you have to go and read and learn about the other authors as well. And this is a lesson I learned very much the hard way. I was writing my senior um, capstone thesis project on wolf conservation. And one of the, one of the uh, authors that I wrote, um, or I integrated his work into my own, turned out that the, the professor that I was giving my thesis to, they knew each other. And the professor that I did my presentation on uh, knew this guy as a person who had a very specific agenda. And he was very familiar with this guy. And this is a lesson that I had to learn at the very end of my undergrad degree was basically whenever you're citing these things, you need to do the research and actually learn who you're citing and what you're citing. And it was, it was such a profound experience for me to learn that at the very last semester of my, of my college career um, at, at this time. It was really fascinating. And it's something that I've very much carried with me throughout my adult life ever since then is Whenever I'm reading an article about something, I research what else that person has written, what else they've written about. Because you can even find authors who have written something as recently as yesterday, and 10 years ago, they had a very, very diametrically opposed opinion to that. So you are basically getting someone who is um, contradicting themselves. And yeah, maybe opinions change 10 years later, but what if you find an author who writes this article yesterday and six months earlier contradicted themselves? Then it's like, well, is this person reputable at this point? But so I think it's really cool. That was a very, very long winded of saying that I like that people in editorials, especially video game editorials, it's easier now more than ever to see how repu reputable they are what they've written before, and if they jive with you. I really, really like that about the, the modern landscape. Yeah, totally. Um, Josh, so tangent aside, what are your, kind of your thoughts about mm. this? Um, I know you're not very big into review scores. I, I know that since um, our old podcast where we kind of ended up doing away with review scores and whatnot. I know you're not big on that, but you hear, I know for you personally, you hear a lot about video games and you hear a lot about video games that not a lot of people know about, which isn't a bad thing. You hear a lot, of, a, a lot about uh, different indie titles and whatnot. Do you hear about these from other reviewers? Are you viewing them yourselves? Are you, is it word of mouth? How are you like, how do these things like review scores and reviews influence you? Is that, do they influence you? I guess. Um No, no. Review scores, I think, are kind of like Rich said, they're not for anybody who knows about games. Um, they're, they're for people who know nothing about games, and capital G Gamers TM 
to have pissing fights over just completely fucking asinine shit. Um, like that's kind of the, the two reasons they exist. Um, the serpent eating its own tail. Yeah. Um, I, I generally find a lot of the stuff that I, uh, am interested in from following devs of games that I've liked. Um, because a lot of the, well, I, they made this thing. It's not just like another reviewer who liked a game that I liked. I'll, I, I still think there's a lot of value in that, but like I've recently had a lot more luck kind of just following different devs who have already made something that I like to see what sort of thing they're currently into right now. And that seems to be a pretty good indicator of, uh, of whether something is going to be my cup of tea is if, you know, they already made something I like and see the sort of taste that person has. I think that's a good way of doing it as well. And that's interesting. I think that makes a lot of sense in the, in any level of gameplay, um, whether it's AAA devs, whether it's indie devs and anything in between there, independent, you know, I think that's a really Mm -hmm. good way to kind of vet what games you will like and what you want to purchase it, like the likelihood that, Hey, I really loved uh, bastion from Supergiant. Chances are, I'm probably going to love transistor and pyre and Hades. And of course that did pan out to be true. Um, you know, Pyre's like th- so those good. kind of situations I think are a really good way of uh, knowing, but it also, I think in some regards, and this is not not a criticism for you, Josh. This is more of me kind of internalizing what you're saying. For me, yeah, I very much agree with you. That's a really good way of doing it. I would also feel like that would possibly prevent me from experiencing new titles, new IPs. So I don't, I don't think you miss out on that. So I'm curious as to how you hear about new titles and you decide whether or not you want to play new titles that aren't from devs that you are already familiar with how how do you hear about those and how do you decide if no, no, you want to take the plunge that's on that's what i'm saying like well, i'm he's not what, saying what they're making what, what they're, they're making playing. what they're playing oh what they're playing i see what oh. you're saying now gotcha because like if they're, they're making about something that i like they're they've they've got to be influenced from somewhere i so see, see what to gotcha. see what sort of stuff they're into when they're you know it's on their own time uh they're not making something mm. to consume that's um that's some next level research right there. I like it. It's uh, t- it's panned out for me in a lot of cases. Not you, always, you fi- but uh, you seem to yeah. find a lot of obscure stuff that sometimes would otherwise slip me by, or sometimes you and I are weirdly on the same page about something we haven't spoken about, mm-hmm. uh, like much like a game we will talk about later. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's funny actually thinking of like weird ways to come across games. I think that's making me miss uh, conventions. Mm. Um, because talk about just finding stuff at PAX, like some of the, the best discoveries I've, I've made at a, a PAX or anything like that, or when I go much like you're saying with the dev thing, when I go to an appointment for one game, um, to see it for, for our side or for whoever I'm working for, and I'm talking to uh, a dev about their game and they're like, Hey, you got free time after this? I'm like, yeah, they're like, head over to this booth and tell this guy I sent you and check out his game. And like, I end up finding games that I fucking fall in love with that way. That's how I found out about, um, semblance 
and I mm. met uh That's how I found out about my memory of us. That uh, Oh yeah, 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 that's another great game. And that's uh you met them at the uh, Tokyo Game Show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, dude, and I met cool up with experience. those guys at Paxi. Super, super nice guys. Very um, nice guys. From that studio. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I've, through the years here, uh, uh, like, full disclosure, I've really shit on conventions. I really have. And um, I think part of it was due to just, I felt like if I wasn't as hyped as other people, that I would get kind of like accosted for it. Like you should be more hyped for this. And I was like mm. that, like you accusing me of shit, like just made me nothing but want to like it less, you know? But now that in recently that I feel like I, I don't get shit for stuff like that, that I feel like I'm able to actually enjoy some of that stuff. And I found that I actually really enjoy getting into the hype a lot more than I thought I did. You know, like this week I've been, keeping up with a lot of the shit that's happening on with all the announcements, like the video game announcements for the quote E3 thing of whatever is going on. And I'm the actually E3 getting really never fucking was. hyped. Yeah. Right. Electronic I mean, like, entertainment. Yeah. Like I was, I was watching the Sonic announcement stuff and well, oh, yeah, I'm, so most sorry. Of it, I'm not super. Well, like, here's the thing. I like Sonic <laughs> and you know, it is what it is. And most of the stuff there wasn't for me. Like, I, I could, I, I don't really care about a lot of that stuff, but I still was really excited. I'm like, you know what? The whole time I was thinking, for those hardcore Sonic fans out there, they're going to love that. And it was really don't interesting. Don't type hardcore that that Sonic into your search week. bar. Oh, yeah. No, never. Well, there, so there's a student I have. He's a special needs student. He's a, he, I, he is a very severe form of ADHD, like a very severe form. And he has an older brother that, that I've been teaching for the past few years. And he's, he, I think he's a first year junior high school student. And uh, sometimes when he doesn't want to focus and he just wants to do other shit, he just like runs around and just does whatever he wants. But when he focuses, he actually speaks really good English. And it's surprising. Like he, he can speak pretty good English for his age. And um, I don't say that lightly as like, a, you know, like, oh, my baby's so strong, <laughs> like not like one of those kind of things like he really can speak good English so much so that the other day he's like, do you know Sonic? Sonic the Hedgehog for Sega Genesis, the Sega Master System, just like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I fucking love Sonic. And I, I didn't say fucking, but I was like, yeah, I love Sonic <laughs> and the Sega Master <laughs> And I love the Sega Master System. And I was just like what the hell? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, me too. And then he just runs off. And I was just like, he like, this kid <laughs> is like way super young talking about the Sega master system and Sonic. And I was just blown away, but, um, mm -hmm. no, like, should have been like more of a knuckles chaotix guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a shadow guy myself, but no, like those announcements are really exciting. And I, I'm glad that I've been able to kind of learn that about myself that actually I do get into some of that hype, um, when I'm allowed to, and, not giving shit for it. I actually really like getting into the, some of that hype. Um, yeah. Like I was telling you guys beforehand, I was watching the Final Fantasy VII Integrated stuff right before we started the show, and I'm excited for that. Even though I don't have a PS5, I'm excited for the people who do and are going to get to I'm enjoy it. I'm going to Fort really Condor exciting. so hard. Yeah, you're going to have to buy it just for Fort Condor. I, I'm going to stream, I'm gonna I stream might, Fort yeah, Condor like, just for can. you, Jay. Please just go in, go into chat Please. and just tell me which moves to make. I was just going to say go. that. Let me make the moves and, oh, 
I will jazz all over the place. I will big band. I will bebop all over the place. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> G- I thought you meant jizz, the canonical music. Oh, I, from Star I, yeah, Wars. that was that was my <laughs> PG way of saying I was going to jizz all over the place. Yeah, you know Max Rebo, a jizz whaler. Mm-hmm. A jizz waylord. <laughs> uh, the uh, R rated like, version of Pokemon. No, no, but um, no, no. no, I. So there are a few things I want to say about this topic. Um, first off, I don't disagree and I don't agree with um, your guys' opinions on review scores. I don't think they're just for the people who don't know about games at all. Uh, and I don't think this is what you're saying. I think you guys just kind of made it very um, succinct. I think it also, like, review scores work for people who used to be gamers who feel out of touch. And whether they're trying to get back into it or they're trying to get their children into it, but they themselves don't have time for it, those reviews, and Rich, you would know this more than me and Josh, um, serve as a way to kind of guide those people. And it's, it's kind of the same thing where when I would play Magic and I'd get out of it and then I'd get back into it, it'd be like, all right, what's the, what's the set that I should use to kind of springboard myself back in? And that's not a perfect analogy. But it was kind of the same thing where I'd read a bit about the set and I'd be like, oh, this is a good set to get back into. They had a lot of cards that um, would kind of build up the foundation of what I need for current decks and stuff like that. And it's kind of the same thing there. Like you re- read reviews. It's like, oh, I know I used to know that I really love these kind of games. And this reviewer is saying that this is kind of similar to those games that I love. So I want to show this to my child, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. I think that's a really good function for that. I, I, I definitely think reviews and review scores have their merit in terms of that like people who don't really know much about video games or they used to and have kind of fallen out of the hobby and either want to get back into it or they want to kind of spread the love to their own children or someone else um yeah and then obviously to to people who are more experienced they're gonna be less um valuable they're not for you and that's that's kind of I mean, I think that kind of goes without saying, right? If I if I'm a if I, if I'm a physical therapist, um, who's been doing it for twenty plus years, I'm not gonna buy some Instagram influencer's mediocre routine of getting buff or I'm not gonna getting read. myself more flexible or mobile because I already have that information. It's not gonna be relevant for I'm me. I'm not gonna read physical therapy informer. <laughs> Who would, right? <laughs> PTI, um, but. No, it's, I, I think that's kind of the same thing with reviews and review scores is um, they, they shouldn't, when, you, when you're someone who's active in the culture, however you want to identify that, I'm not going to identify that here, those scores become less about informative, being informative, and more about um, basically bolstering your own opinion sometimes. And that's, I think that's kind of part of the reason why I have liked review scores less and less is when people would be like and i'm not i'm not throwing shade at anyone here please don't think that i know it's going to sound just like name I names prom- it's cool I, I i've had more than one person in my past be like well you know what that that game only got this much of a score i mean it can it really be that good or oh i don't know if i should check this game out it got like a 72 it's like that's that's such a small small part of the picture that's one pixel of the thousand plus pixels that are there for that picture and there's such a broader more vivid 
picture that you're not seeing by looking at and focusing on that one pixel. You know what I mean? And 70 so is I, good, like, damn it. So for review scores, I tend to not really focus on them almost at all. Like, I can't remember the last time I legitimately looked at a review score and was like, oh, I should check out that game. And to me, it's more about reading reviews. And that's whether I'm buying a product like a brand new shoe, like the running shoes that I told you guys that I got this week. I spent hours reading through different reviewers and reviews and user reviews, uh, all sorts of reviews to decide the shoes I wanted to get. That's the kind of person I am. I will read through reviews when it's a game or mm. it's something I'm on the fence about because it's money. I'd rather spend the time than spend the money um, on certain things. And the opposite can be said as well. But in terms of video yeah. games, if it's something I'm on the fence about, I absolutely will read reviews. And I absolutely will do kind of my own personal aggregation of those reviews to decide. Um, so yeah, for me, like the, reviews like are really valuable. The only function of Metacritic is that is the easiest way to find a list of all the reviews for a game. Which is crazy that so many people don't know that. Yeah, like you can they go think there it's and an just, outlet reviewing things. You can go there and click the links to actual reviews of this thing. And it is super useful for that. Sometimes um, I have to hear Metacritic only gave it a 70. Metacritic doesn't give... Metacritic... Mm. It's just, it's not what that website is. What was that sound, Rich? That was frustration. That was the cutest frustration I've ever heard. I think one of the top three cutest frustrations. Uh, I don't know if you'd want to do this, Josh. Extra editing, but if you could just like string together, like just like oh, that would uh that'd warm my heart. That would warm my heart. But no, I I get it. It's like. When humans, and this is kind of our natural inclination to want to categorize things, to be able to easier and better understand them. And it's, it's such a, like, it's a good thing in some ways, and it's a bad thing in some ways. And it's, it's interesting because obviously Metacritic takes an aggregation of all those scores. And obviously we've also seen recently how that can be abused to the max, which is why I feel like when we are considering those things, Metacritic should, especially the score, should be the springboard for you to reading the reviews. If I see a product that has a, if, if I, let's, let's imagine I was looking at shoes again, and I saw one had a 3.3 out of 5. And this is from a thousand plus reviewers. I'm going to go read why. And that's exactly what I do. I see a 3.3. I don't, I don't say, oh, not getting those shoes. I say, oh. I wonder why, because I want to understand why I'm not mm -hmm. going to go out and spend yeah, $150, yeah, totally. $200 on the shoes to for my own opinion. It's a lot of fucking money. I'm going to sit there yeah, and read like 20 to 50 reviews, some at the highest point, some at the lowest point and a lot in the middle and make my own determination. Yeah. Like half the reviews on Amazon are arrived damaged. You're like, that's not a review of this item. Like that's, like, why, why would you write that the shipping was bad? Like, that's not... Anyway, but, yeah, you, you get a lot of that. Like, actually reading the reviews is the helpful part. And, like, that's a drastically simplified example of that when it's, you know, arrived damaged 
that you're that, that you're not going to get that exact thing for games, but you will get reviews that are like obviously the person has a different perspective than you going into something it's, that you can tell by reading it that you would never get from a number. You're yeah. on, you're kind of onto something, Josh. I wonder if um maybe it's a million dollar idea, maybe it's a negative million dollar idea, but what if dollar idea had like two different reviews, like one for the actual product itself and then one for the experience as a whole. Granted that'd be a lot more work and would people want to review Re- read two sets of reviews, but that makes a lot of sense. The product itself yeah. is also yeah, a fine really line for to this, distinguish. This this. Um, I mean, they kind of allow you to do that, but not for them. You can review sellers. So if there's a vendor on their site, you can review them all day. But uh, if Amazon fucks up all on their own, there's no way for you to say, hey, Amazon fucked this up for me. So you're kind of... And also, only place to vent that is, is on the product review. Yeah, and exactly. also, every product should have a mouthfeel rating. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing. Like, uh, I mean, to get to get to the heart of the matter, to put it as plain as day, review scores don't influence my decision to buy games at all, not at all. I mean, Biomutant has been getting terrible, very, very. Oh, I shouldn't say terrible. That that's hyperbole. It's getting very mediocre. Scores. It's mixed. It's six in the sixties is mediocre, and you know what? And this is a a preview for things to come. I'm loving the game so far. So I don't look at review scores to dictate um, things. I've even enjoyed certain aspects of games that got really bad scores. The Suicide of Rachel Foster, which is obviously not the greatest game in the world. But there was some very fascinating, interesting aspects to the game that I really enjoyed. I really did. And if if I barred myself from playing these games strictly because of review score, I would miss out on certain things. It'd be like, oh, this game did this really interestingly. I hope I can see this in the future. And as someone who's an influencer, if I can put that out into the world, who knows what future dev will hear that if, if we have that level of influence. I don't know. And that future dev is like, wow, yeah, that actually sounds really fascinating. Can I integrate that into my own game in a unique or a way that makes sense to my own game? You know, and that's obviously I'm being very optimistic and hopeful in that situation, but you never know, right? Yeah. To bar yourself through review uh, scores is such, such a surface level way of doing it. But what I will say for me is reviews definitely have a, some level of um play onto what i end up playing uh rich and josh are in some ways reviewers even if i do a podcast with them even if they're my good friends and even if it's technically in some ways word of mouth they are also reviewers in some ways so i would even consider that i like we publish reviews (laughs) there you go in in that way i mean mean, yeah sometimes in a more literal way they are reviewers and (laughs) There have been times where they've suggested suggested games that I hop on that I absolutely love. And that that is from a review as well, a reviewer in itself. So yeah, reviewers definitely influence my purchasing power. Review scores, not at all. Here's a hot wreck I've been uh I've been thinking about for a long time and I can't wait for it to be reality. Robert Boyd, um, creator of Cosmic Star Heroine, has been talking about for a while now 
um, creating a persona style game about magical girls as uh, like Sailor Moon style characters uh, with like persona mechanics. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm into that idea. Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. Okay. I like that. Well, I like that premise. It could work. Mm-hmm. You guys want to get into some listener comments who uh, I would, chimed I would in on the that. topic of the show? You guys keen? Mm-hmm. I would love that. Okay. Uh, and just so you know, every Thursday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, at Sword Chomp, you can be a part of the show by simply commenting on the topic of the week. Uh, we will do our best to read as many of the comments as we can. Um, we love having listener comments and support on the show. So here we go. Here are some of the comments. First, from Tacos to Go. God, I could go for a good taco right now. To stay. Mm. Uh, he said, I'd argue that many of the complaints the reviewers bring up for Biomutant are some of the problems games like Assassin's Creed has. Repetitive missions, vast open worlds with nothing in them, etc. But somehow, Assassin's Creed gets a pass when it comes to an overall score. Outside looking in, reviews certainly seem like they're used to push the sales of a game. We just need to realize that these scores are opinions and shouldn't determine if we like a game or not. Truth be told, I think the industry has gone stagnant. There has only been, there's been only a handful of games that have really kept my interest in the last six to seven years, if not longer. Everything feels too safe, and nobody is taking any risks. We really should give THQ some credit for attempting to create something new rather than play it safe like everyone else. Rant over. Now, what I will say is this. Took some very specific, interesting um, examples for analysis, but I also kind of understand to do to a degree the the larger point there at least in the first half is that reviews seem like a way to push certain games versus others and rich uh, obviously again you're going to have more insight to this but from the outside looking in and from what little experience we've had with getting review codes for me personally when we had a few review codes we had gotten one for assassin's creed valhalla and some smaller indie titles, um, some of the ones that we've reviewed in the past, I feel a certain pressure personally to not say too many negative things about the game because I don't want to come across as unappreciative and I don't want to shoot or to bite the hand that feeds us, I guess, so to speak. The, the, fu- um, the funny so thing is... So I can is, understand where... Uh, go ahead. The funny thing is, in mentioning that, is that might only be prevalent in smaller outlets like us, which is funny because people seem to have that concern about larger outlets. When it comes to working at a bigger outlet, like those times for me, the disconnect was so huge. I will shit on fucking whatever. I like it's it doesn't matter to me. I hush. I don't I don't care about our relationship with Bandai Namco. I gave that One Piece game a fucking four because it deserved a fucking four. Um. <laughs> It, 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 and that's just one of those things that who really loves One Piece. Uh, I loved the story. It was written by Oda. The gameplay and it, it had its moments, but come on, um, it's it's funny to me because it's almost eye to me at this point. People are like, "Oh, uh, the reviewers in the in your pocket." It'd be like, "Bro, I barely make rent every month. No one is paying off my fucking reviews." <laughs> no, yeah. but I 
I think it's probably less about you in your own pocket, but more about um, probably the the overall company. Like I'm sure when you were reviewing for Destructoid, that they probably saw a larger sum of money than you ever would have as a reviewer. Um, definitely, but also um. As far as big outlets go, like Destructor has a lot of reach, but we, they're mostly an ad-driven uh, website. Mm. It's actually funny having right. having left and going to that website now and seeing how many ads are on it, because I had a uh, a work account for that website for so long, which means my version of Destructoid for years had no ads on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and now if I go to that website, I'm like, this is gross. <laughs> It's yeah. I, it's, that, I think it's, it's kind of like from the company st- to company state cause... of where the world is going with ads. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What? Mm. I almost feel like we're moving away from that directly. Um, I mean, it's still ads, but I don't know. Like the Make banners the and stuff seem like they're uh, kind of anyway. Um, the... <laughs> good. Gotcha. Sorry. I don't know where I was going. I don't know where I was going. The uh, I feel like that every day, Josh. Mm-hmm. Samesies. Yeah, like I don't. I'm. For some of them, I'm sure there is some sort of internal pressure, like you said, with having to get your score okayed before mm-hmm. you know for certain things. Um, it, I'm sure it's that way for some of the larger outlets because they just you you can't make anybody angry if we want to be able to have interviews for our magazine or whatever else. And I can't speak to working under those conditions if it wasn't yeah. contract work. And even then it wasn't like there was ever any pressure on me. Cause I wasn't the one assigning the score at that point. I yeah. was writing something down and somebody else was making the call afterwards. It was out of my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be something that's, you know, it gets nudged and a little y- bit you know one what? way or the other. Depending. I- I'm not going to pretend but- like there's definitely times where you sit there and you send something in and then you're like, that's not really what I was going for, but whatever. Yeah. Any. Not not to say that there's anything nefarious going on there. It could just be a matter of you know difference of opinion on how you intended something and how it's read. But still. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but as far as the the industry becoming stagnant, yes, that's that's kind of the point of the industry. That's why there's a new Call of Duty every year. That's why all oh, so many open world games have. That's why you can be John McClane in Call of Duty. Got too much going on on the maps because they intend you to be there for the next 400 hours. Um, Games as a service is also becoming so much more of a thing. It's about locking in a player base. and Yeah, like... Yep. I don't, I don't want to get too much into Bioshock or into Biomutant right now. I'd love to get into Bioshock. I'd, yeah, I'd love to get yeah. Bioshock, but I didn't um, want to get too much into Biomutant that, that yet. That was what I was but trying to stay Biomutant away from too, too but like... yeah. Well, but yeah, well, that was, but but the yeah. feeling that open worlds have kind of become bloated is something that I've been experiencing. So so, so being a little empty is not not the worst thing in the world to me it, right it, now. Well, yeah, and it's pretty enough. But I, I think that was the main thing I wanted to just close on that comment with was like the thing to me, and we'll talk about this when we actually talk about Biomutant is like I'm not really sure what the feeling of like what the amazing new thing THQ is trying with this game is. Cause I don't really think they are. I think it's pretty comparable to an Assassin's Creed or anything like that. Yeah. I think just the open world comparison was the main thing, but yeah, I see what you're saying. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah Next I, comment yeah, was... I don't want to go in on that yet. So oh, we'll wait. 
Okay. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I think I got this right. Me and Dean Richards says, I always check for reviews, but I never base my purchases on them. More often than not, I end up enjoying games that these respected opinions trash. I don't, I don't for me, there's not too much to say there. I would agree with that. Um, I, yeah, I never base my, my purchases off, off of reviews, but they help guide me to some degree. At the end of the day, if I want to play something, I'm still going to play it, whether or not it's getting a lot of poor reviews, but yeah, I, I, I have enjoyed games that a lot of people and a lot of reviewers didn't like. So yeah, Mm -hmm. only so they only have so much sway for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sure. Tawny said, I like reading hearing reviews to see what people I, who I respect feel about a game. At most, they influence a day one purchase, but I'm curious about a game. If I'm curious about a game, I will buy it. And that's a really good point. I think that's a cool little addendum is if it's a game, if it's a review or a reviewer I respect, they will influence how quickly I will buy a game that I wanted to buy in the first place. I think that's a mm-hmm. really, really cool caveat there. That's that's the change I think I was talking about earlier, and it's is more and more of this our section of the industry becomes personality driven. I think that is what is important is you can find a reviewer who you have a common you, you can tell based off reviews you've read from them, they have similar tastes to me. If they're really into this, I'm probably gonna be really into it. Yeah. Right. Kilted Gamer said, I don't think I really put much weight behind a score unless it's less than a sixty percent. If it's above that, I gauge for myself. And I can understand understand that with the current scale that we use. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of getting at that at the beginning of the show with the whole, like, an 80 means literally nothing. It's just... Yeah, it's the most middle of the road. mm Mm-hmm. It's... You know, it's funny is I actually only buy games under 60. (laughs) Talk to me when you go to games that are only under 30. Everything Ooh. else I everything no, you didn't let me finish. Everything else I steal. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Dog Rules Twenty Three said, "I don't put put much into reviews. I don't even read them most of the time. Do I buy games I see good numbers for sometimes? Yeah, but I'm often let down by them. Two examples: Red Dead Resent, blah, 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 Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Two, <laughs> and Final <laughs> Fantasy Seven Remake. Both of them have great scores." I didn't finish either one because I just couldn't have fun with them. By comparison, I love I Cyberpunk and other lower scored games. And that's fascinating. I'm, I'm not going to focus so much on the games that are being talked about, but more about how this person finds more enjoyment in the lower scored games. I wonder if that's more like kind of an underdog mentality. Like these games in theory aren't supposed to be liked as much. Therefore, I am going to find something to like more about them. Whereas vice versa, these games have a high score. They're supposed supposed to be touted as being the upper et- echelon. I'm going to fucking hate it. I-, I wonder if that's the kind of thing there, or it's just circumstantial that that's why that particular person ends um, up liking those games. But like, I find myself in that mentality sometimes, too, when a game is supposed to have such a hu- super huge high score. Sometimes I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know why it's got such a high score. I kind of find myself hating a little bit, you know, to be honest with you. I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's that good. Yeah, no, I think there can be an element of that, definitely, but... It's like hate-fucking. I think, I think part of it is that the 
worse games with giant air quotes there are allowed to do their own thing because they don't like they're nobody's not paying attention. Yeah, a nobody's paying attention. B they like they don't have to make everybody happy. They just have to make have the an audience. Are Mods that, are away. Yeah. Um, and Wait till can, we talk about the other game we played, Josh. That that is a game where there was no oversight. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting to think about, like how sometimes the underdog mentality kind of changes how we view certain games when they're assessed certain scores and we haven't purchased them yet. I think that that does have some level of influence indirectly. Sector 7 says, I think to some degree, yes. But personally, my game purchases are based on my own interests. Usually there's something else involved like nostalgia for a certain series or a level of curiosity has been piqued with the art direction or music and I'm sold. It's kind of like reading the first line of a book summary and deciding whether or not you're interested. There's not really anyone else in the bookstore Uh standing over your shoulder telling you that you should buy the book, but sometimes you've already heard about it from someone else. And I almost almost agreed with that analogy until I remembered that sometimes on some of those best-selling books, on the back or on the inside cover little areas, they'll be like, New York bestsell author, or it'll have like three or four other yeah. authors be like, This author is ahead of their time, you know, shit like that. So there's also some level of influence on those like little quick reviews as well. But yeah, sorry, go ahead, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's something I do really miss about bookstores, just being able to go in and leaf through something real quick, see if, because you can tell really quickly if a writing style is just atrocious. I just buy books to leave on the coffee table so when people come over, they think I'm smart. Mm. I always like leaving something awkward on the coffee table just to intentionally to bother people. Like like that Kama Sutra I have with the Star Wars action figures? Mm-hmm. And a bloody yeah. condom right next yeah, to like, it? Yeah, you like, like to tailor it, tailor it to my guest, you know? I did, I did buy Jason Schreier's new book. That's smart, Josh. So you get a tailored con- bloody condom and leave it on the desk. Oh, I love a good old-fashioned <laughs> lambskin condom. You know, something you could throw in the wash and use again and again. <laughs> Is that made from lambskin? No, that's uh, human skin. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, cool. No, no, it's not no, my skin. No, that's that's lamb. Yeah, I went that, to the uh, plastic surgery uh, clinic, and they were throwing away some old human skin, and I was like, why not make some condoms out of it? So I, I hate I where this conversation is off of them. Uh-huh. And, uh, away we went. And it's my fault, but I hate where this conversation's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if somebody does that. I actually kind of want to know if someone, like, peruses plastic surgery clinics, takes old skin, and does something with it. I'll ask I don't want to know what they do with the skin, but I want to know if somebody does that. I don't I want to I don't know why I want to know that but I want to know. Just sheer morbid curiosity. That's actually like Waluigi's gonna, backstory, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to send you a Pinterest link when we're done here. Okay. I, Pinterest. I'm going to give All you right. a number for a guy but you can't tell him you got it from me. <laughs> I would expect it like 4chan or 8chan, Josh, but Pinterest. All right. Um Blonde like Monroe says I see what scores are issued, but I think the standard scorecard over the last 10 years or so has really depleted in terms of expectations based on the PR with the publisher. For example, like Kotaku and its childish jabs at Fallout in general, Game Informer giving Overwatch a perfect 10, etc. Sometimes the bias in a review is so overwhelming and sometimes you can tell the reviewer 
should have checked out long ago. Then you get the reviews that are by the local gamer who is incapable of criticizing a fandom. These days, I take it with a grain of salt and play the game myself. Usually when I was reviewing games, I try to stick to the same scorecard overall for each game, but also make sure it was a game I could give a fair review overview of. Hell, I can't even play a game anymore without critiquing it out of habit. I'm just wired that way. And it's kind of funny, like, the, the first part is something that I think Josh has already spoken to and a few other listeners, but I think the unique insight there is, and this is obviously a different thing that we could actually talk about as a topic altogether, and maybe I'll save my bigger thoughts for that, but becoming a reviewer, you definitely analyze something differently than as a consumer. You really do, and it 100%. definitely alters the way you think about certain games going forward, it, it and sometimes be- that's to the benefit, because then you become more aware of things that you wouldn't normally be aware of. Uh, uh, for example, la- this past week when I was playing Resident Evil 8, there's this moment where I was going to shoot the zombie, and this other zombie kind of came in a frame, and the way the game detics, de- depicts this... Uh, the per- the Fuck, I can't talk. Depicts... <laughs> The, 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 the perspective um, when I was aiming down the sights of my sniper rifle, it was immaculate. The way that when a hand came into the frame as it was about to attack me, the focus immediately went to that hand. And the perspective was fascinating. It's something I wouldn't normally notice, you know? So it can be to a benefit and then also can be to a detriment of some of those things. But I think that'd be a really cool topic for us to kind of be selfish and explore as people who have been yeah. doing this for as many years as we have, how um, it affects how we it, look at games. But yeah. it, it, it broke me. And like you said, we could explore that at a different time, but it's, it's like one of those things where I find it hard to play a game with and turn that off. Like I will be playing games just for fun with friends or something. And they'll, they'll get annoyed at me sometimes because like I'll instinctually like pause to take notes. Mm-hmm even if I don't need to be doing that because I'm like something interesting happened and I'll just pause and like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's my brain telling me I need to take a note. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. No, I it's, yeah, you definitely think about it differently. The, the thing I will push back on there is the biased reviewers thing. Like there's, there are no objective reviews, which is why the review scores again, I think are fucking stupid it, in the first it's place. Impossible like there's no to be object. Like I, I think it's if if you have your I, tick box type thing, like it's it just does that doesn't you you have your there's scale. There's no way to objectively put a number in for narrative. Well, like what? No, it, yes, and, and that's the thing. I don't think it's impossible to be completely objective. I don't think that's what a review is or should be. Yeah. Um. No. No. And a, th- a lot of I it think is that's the personal of opinion. Med- and like I think and, the parts that you can objectively review. Are easily checkboxed, like sound, it, uh, sound, gra- graphics. Visuals, yeah. Does the thing fucking run? Yes. Um, the things that you can't are, as you said, narrative is the big one. But like everything and else, there's so then, much else. Then there are certain, even gameplay is hard to objectively mm-hmm. do it because, like, think of something like for me, like a, a fucking Tony Hawk, like the Tony Hawk remakes. That's 10 out of 10 gameplay for me. Some people just don't like those games. It's just not for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's difficult and to be objective about. I think that's, there are two quick thoughts I have there. I think that is the one beautiful thing about Metacritic scores is that they aggregate them. Whereas like you're going to a site like Destructoid or IGN and you're getting one or two people's score. 
and that's it. But Metacritic does aggregate them. And before people started abusing it and breaking it, I thought that was a more accurate, objective snapshot. Closer to than what one reviewer would put. Not to say it is objective, not to say you agree with it, not to say you like it, simply as it's more objective than one well, single I Metacritic think it's, wrote yeah, the I movie think, right yes, there one. I think it's objective in that by the time it all boils down, Metacritic basically says whether or not a game exists. <laughs> and you get a score at the end. Like, yeah, no, there's a, there's a number there. The game exists. I can, I can clearly see it. The game exists. That's also but, fair. I see your woo! point. But no, uh, just yeah. in terms of objectivity, yeah, I know one thing. Again, I'm sorry to use this as an example again, but in science, that's one thing that we even discussed in college constantly is that when you are writing a scientific paper, you want to come as close to objectivity as humanly possible, but also realize that there's no possible way that you or any other scientific author is ever going to come 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 close to complete 100% objectivity. It's impossible because it's a human writing it and unless it's a machine doing it for you, there's no possible way. And I think we should let machines do we it. We have to accept that and we have to understand <laughs> that that's part that's part of the whole scientific mm-hmm. method is like people are going to make mistakes, people are not going to ideally present that information in a paper format exactly how they want to say it or exactly how they want to present it. Um, in terms of objectivity. And that's what's cool about science is making sure when you're doing experiments there, obviously, um, you can replicate them and so on and so forth. And how does that relate here? Um, You got to keep in mind that, yes, there's no possible way that review scores or reviewers can be objective. But think about it kind of like as a little science experiment, if you want to view it that way, where it's basically, you know, this reviewer said this and this and this about this game. Let me test that out. Let me see if I feel the same way. And then you can kind of form if obviously I don't I don't do this and I'm sure most people wouldn't do this, but like form your own hypotheses. Uh, I think that this game's sound design will be better than originally advertised shit like that. You know, Uh, if if you have a highly analytical brain like I sometimes have, you can approach it that way. But simply is that view it how you want to view it. Uh, but there's no My way brain's a little simpler than that. complete objectivity, unfortunately. But also on the flip side of that, when it's clear that somebody has a very, very highly opinionated um, response to something, and it's on one of the main publisher webs- websites, I can see where there'd be some uh, disgruntled feelings and thoughts regarding that. But I don't know how often that takes place because uh, I don't spend a lot of time on those sites. So My, uh, I my, my brain's a little less analytical than yours, Shay. My notes are usually along the lines of like Tony Hawk notes will be like, grind rail, feel good. Yeah. More <laughs> of like ca- caveman brain. You know, it's funny. That's a... Uh, uh, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. I'm going to move on. I'll Let's type you guys on. that joke uh, after, when you guys are reflecting. Um... Kyle I'm Thern said, anymore, I look at who the reviewer is, I align myself with similar interests. Short, yep. kind of, sweet. Yeah. Po- point I think both Josh and I were making a little earlier, yeah. 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 Just a few more guys, and then uh, we'll wrap this section up. Then I can go pee Mr. or Mrs. or they, them, uh, the snowman saint said, I'm at a point where I take everything with a grain of salt. Recent Game Awards have proven to me that my taste in games is far beyond what some would call amazing. Not that I'm alone in that either. To be honest, 
I'm loving Biomutant. It has a really strange atmosphere to it, but I love that it's a post-apocalyptic game that's also full of humor and deep storytelling with the presence of your past ushering you to make changes to this world. It's not for everyone, and that is okay, but for me, it's been a dope game. Um, I like his analysis on Biomutant and his experience, but I kind of like take his first thought and related it to myself, and I was thinking, you know, last year at the Game Awards, Ori and the Will of the Wisps didn't get near as much attention as it, as it deserved. And I still think to this day that that is uh-huh. the most snubbed game I've ever played and that a game is a fucking masterpiece. And I'm, I'm like, I can sit here and get heated about it, which I am getting a little bit heated about it. And I'm rubbing my hard nipples because I'm so heated. Um, legitimately, I was just doing that. I wanted to I wanted to call myself out. I was like, why am I rubbing my hard nipples right now? But um, it was out of frame. You could have just let it go. I, I couldn't just let it go. I couldn't let those nips go. No. um. It, like it, it does piss me off a little bit, but then I also remember that that doesn't make the game any less. <gasps> oh, Josh, can't type that shit while I'm on one. <laughs> I'm not I, gonna I say would, that out loud. We, we, we uh, said we wouldn't. We said we wouldn't, so I had to type it. So yeah, we all yeah, feel no, the same way fair. about clay that's, fighters. That's fair. <laughs> no, like I could get heated about Ori getting snubbed at the Game Awards and not getting the score that I feel like it deserves, but at the same time, it doesn't make that game any less amazing. It doesn't make what Moon Studios did any less amazing, and that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I still can't share that with every and any person that I think would love that game or even like that game or would even find remotely interesting. That doesn't change any of it. So yeah, of course I can get a little bit heated about that stuff, but at the end of the day, I kind of agree with this guy. That, you know what? My tastes are my own. They're not going to always agree. The scores aren't always going to represent how I or other people feel about that game, this game or that game, and that's okay. And my nipples are no longer hard, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that... that I, I, I agree with that. Like, You're going to have your own, own opinions, and if you only go off the review scores, you're going to get a really limited sense of gaming, really. You're going to kind of get the, oh, movies. I, no, yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not that that's bad, but if you think that's movies, you're missing an awful lot. Um, right. And right. kind of, yeah, go find your own things, and you are going to like some stuff that, nobody else is into just because it's just it's it's your jam um yeah nba yeah. jam mm-hmm. i like jam i love nba jam i'm on fire it's the razzle dazzle it's fucking fantastic <laughs> i wish people still said razzle dazzle i mean that's it's illegal such here a now actually to say but i love razzle dazzle you can go to jail for that give him the old razzle dazzle Whatever yeah. that means. Um, that, the pre-scur- that was a precursor to the nerd rope. The razzle Nerds dazzle. Yeah. Love the nerd rope. Yes, I love something the, like I love that. Kazoozle. Mm. I don't know where this bit's going. <laughs> Double A Catcher said, I think reviews can be beneficial if you are going into a genre that you are comfortable with and enjoy. I think it's a real difficult task to completely sway someone to a whole new genre based on a review. 
you have to have reasonable expectations and have some background on what kind of game it is. A JRPG could get 10 out of 10, but if I don't like those at all, I assure you, I will never pick one up. I mean, if that makes sense. And it does. It does make a lot of sense. I feel like yeah. um, if you are a big JRPG fan, you can get lost in the mass amounts of games that there are out there. And if you have a certain limited amount of money, yeah, it behooves you to read some reviews to see which ones you should prioritize and which ones would better optimize your time because JRPGs are a lengthy endeavor. Um, they require a lot of you. Yep. So yeah, I mean, in that case, not specifically just JRPGs, but I think that's such a great example of what he's trying to make, the, the point that he's trying to make. Mm-hmm. As you can see here, uh, the other two are so riveted by my analysis that they have nothing to say about it. No, I agree. Um, uh, con- oh, I like that. He spelled it interesting. Con Artist 7 but he spelled it K-A-H-N-A-R-T-I-Z-T. Took me a second. I was like, con? Con? Con artist, got it. He said, it's possible for a game to be average or unoriginal and still be good. Con! Case in point. Thank you, Josh. I was hoping you'd do I had that. to back away from the <laughs> mic because I wanted to really yell it, but I didn't want it to clip. Had yeah, to, no had clip. To go to the other side of the Case room real quick there. <laughs> Case in point, days gone. By the end of the game, I felt the hunting and gathering was completely pointless, the hordes were underutilized, and the story didn't quite go where I thought it was gonna. But I still had a blast playing it. I pumped 80 plus hours into my, I mean, into it, and platinumed it. It's a solid 7 of 10, but I enjoyed myself quite a bit. Review scores have to factor in innovation and originality, which Days Gone had very little of, but at the end of the day, Innovation and originality aren't integral to making a game fun and enjoyable. And yeah. I, you know what? I, I don't have much to add to that because I actually agree yeah. with pretty much everything he has said, e- even the analysis of Days Gone. Um, I feel like he made a lot of really good points about that game as well. And he used that example as a really good point to, or a really good example for his overall point. I'll, I'll expand on that one criticism of it uh, not ending the way he thought it would. My my take on today's gone ending is it didn't end when it should have. Mm. I, I talked to you about this first of the show. That game's too long, man. Yeah, I know it's that, weird. It, it just that might be what going. he meant. <laughs> Could be, yeah. It's it's a little long in the tooth, yeah. But the the thing I do like about it is that even though it is a little long in the tooth, it's it ended if, in theory, um, if there wasn't a lot of controversy, controversy about it, that there could have been a second one. Um, but unfortunately, the, the likelihood that we see that is very, very well, small at this point. it's coming to PC now. It could find a bigger audience. That could, and... Yeah, that could change things or bend, but uh, it, yeah. it's a never-say-never never scenario. But as we know, there I, are currently no plans for it. Yeah. I, I will say this. Uh, I, I will be surprised. If it gets a sequel, uh, the director had come out and mm-hmm. made some, I'm sure you guys had, uh, seen, uh, the recent infamous statement that if more people bought games on day one, then studios won't have as much an issue trying to get a sequel. Um, there've even been this some guy of the a giant triple A publisher. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. If, if you guys buy this off a of hype, we like, no, 
No. It's not, yeah. Especially on well, today's show when we're talking about it's, literally the only thing that reviews might be good at, which is avoiding making a purchase you don't want. Like, come it's on. The, it's like, the, like uh, I, people I, who I, like I, this game should buy it at full price is such a shitty comment to me because, like, dude, we're talking about entertainment here. Like, there's so much shit out there. It's a lot to ask of people. It's a well, lot to ask of people. There, there's a lot in that specific case. Um, obviously, I think that person was probably partially just venting and partially very much believed in what yeah. they said. Some, some of the well, actors no, no, and I'm actresses. Sure, I'm sure he does. And other and people who worked on the game. Like, from a developer standpoint, like, like that's, that's what he's getting told. Like, it's like, oh, no, this needs yeah. to be more profitable for us to yeah. pay you to do this again. But, like, also, like, I think the I, the publishers are being ridiculous on yes. this with the unwillingness to fund things that are clearly popular, but they're just not the most popular thing, and which is how we end up with so many samey games. It, and and my, my thing is, to me, if I'm looking where I'm going to spend my money... The publishers I want to make sure I'm giving them the most money and buying a game at full price for are the smaller ones. Like, I... Sony Bend, in my opinion... Like, they're not hurting for money. They don't need my $60. <laughs> it's like... uh, I want to give those smaller indie devs, like, the money when they need it and not be, you know, slink around and wait for this game to drop to $10. But that's a different conversation. It's a totally different conversation. Yeah. It's it's interest it's an interesting thing to think about for sure because obviously the studio is made up of so many people that probably very passionately want to make a Days Gone sequel. I know that some of the actors um and actresses have kind of come out and shared similar to not so similar sentiments as the director. Um and yeah, it's it's interesting and it's also interesting that like if a dev gets big enough that that's kind of the opinion that a lot of people, including myself sometimes have is like, eh, you're not hurting for money. Let me give it to the smaller guys. But that, that doesn't make them less deserving. I don't think it just means that they are, they're probably I mean, more okay if we don't buy it day one. And it's like, it worries me sometimes that yeah. mentality um, because you look at something like super giant, which Josh, you and I have both been supporting for years um we've absolutely loved super giant for years and with hades like i can't help but think that they're gonna be a f like going forward their next title is gonna be seen not as a triple a but it's definitely gonna get some notice whatever drops next from them and they're gonna kind of be mm. seen as one of the upper end studios so to speak and for me obviously i will always support super giant i love those guys over there um but yeah, it also worries me like what Rich was just saying, like that mentality that some other people might have. And then um, therein lies the issue there, like this kind of like not cyclical, but this weird thought process of like, oh, well, now they're too big. Now they have enough money. They're probably doing just fine. Well, that doesn't mean that they they don't want to be any less successful with whatever they're trying to get out there. Yeah. And I think part of this is triple A got a triple A. Like, cut some stuff back if you have to you don't do you, do you need an 800 person team working on this probably not yes um like 
not not that the solution is layoff devs, but like have that same team make two games instead or something. Like there there are ways to go about well making interesting things. And I don't know, like there's there's way well, too much to go into. Well, then we run into, into, into the issue of like. Well, yeah, that's a totally different thing. We run into the issue yeah. of crunch, and then we run into the issue of pay your well, debts. No, that's what I'm the saying. Right like the money that that runs into. Yeah, which sure yeah, no, like this is this off, is all like, of the all industry. Of all of the industry. We end up with these like ridiculously bloated AAA games that are really saying maybe because of everything we've gone into. And anyway, right. that, that's a completely different topic. So no, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is. But. No, case in point being that, um, yeah, it's. I think that this this conversation is very nuanced. Uh, the mm-hmm. the reviews and review scores. Obviously, I think for the three of us here, review scores don't do that much for us, next to nothing at all. But the reviews, I think, influence the three of us to varying degrees. And I think that obviously review scores are. I think we feel like review scores are more targeted for the less informed gamer. Um, or the less informed person who is trying to get themselves or someone else into gaming. Um, and I think that they serve that their merit there to some degree. Um, get like getting somebody into the, the, the gaming, uh, ecosystem and reviews are more where the bread and butter is. And even then do your research. Exactly. Josh Jane, you ignorant slut. Mm Mm-hmm. Go to uh, Metacritic. Josh typed in the chat. Wise but, up. Uh, anyways, that's Wise gonna up, wrap yeah. up. That that's all the comments. Thank you again. If you want to comment and be a part of the show, every Thursday on the Instagram at Swordchomp on the Instagram on Instagram at Swordchomp, uh, you can come in and comment on the post there. Oh, we'd love to read some of your comments. Uh, that was really fun. I think it sparked some interesting conversation there. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we will come back at you with another segment, which we're going to talk about some games. So don't go anywhere. Keep your ears locked in. We'll be right back. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New magic store.swordjump.com. You there, boy! What news? News, sir! New graphic designs are restored at swordchomp.com! New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com. That's right, sir! My god! You can get all the designs you want on t shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases! They've done it. Those Swordchomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now! God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! We are back. No one else is going to do it, so I got to do it. You fuckers are staring at your phones instead of hyping it up. Anyways, we're back. We're here. We're ready to talk about some games. Woo! 
two of them. We're going to talk about Biomutant first. Now, Biomutant is obviously a game that people have very mixed feelings on. Biomutant is a game where it's a post post-apocalyptic game, which I was I thought was kind of cute and funny and also interesting in that that that's how they're slating this game where basically the post-apocalypse has happened the earth is has actually been able to start recovering um all traces of humanity are almost pretty much wiped out other than technological things here and there uh animals have mutated and they have become uh was it anthropomorphic right yeah yeah Anthrop- I always mix up anthropomorphic and anthropogenic. Anthropogenic is uh, uh, basically human-based interactions on nature, but anthropomorphic is what the word I was looking for. Uh, these, hum- or these animals become anth- anthropomorphic. They have some human-like abilities, and obviously they have some very not-so-human-like abilities. They've mutated over the years, and um, it's all based around this big tree of life um that has been reborn in this post post apocalyptic world and suddenly it has become poisoned and you have to choose your path as a mutant animal it's up to you to stop Brett Michaels well he's dead rich he's really dead, if he's dead then why does he have a snapple flavor well i don't know i i, I don't have the answer for you um but it's a thing, <laughs> anyways google it. okay i'll google it not today uh so you are kind of tasked with deciding what path you want to take as your mutant um, and what to do going forward. Do you let the tree of life die? Do you help save it? Do you prevent other mutants? What do you do here? And that's kind of the premise of this game. Um, it's, it's an interesting game because it's obviously gotten, like I said um, at the very beginning, it's gotten all sorts of reviews. Um, it's gotten some positive, negative, and it's a game that, has been delayed a bunch. A lot of people have been waiting on from uh, Experiment 101. And it's like it was uh, like one of our commenters had said previously, it's published by THQ Nordic. So it's an interesting game. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, I'm going to go first a little bit and let you guys know kind of my first impressions, and then you guys can jump right in there. Um, because I'm not going to be talking about the other game that you guys are going to be talking about. So I figured I'd go first because I'm selfish. Um, no, this was a fight. game. This is a game that we obviously had heard about years ago, and it was a really intriguing uh, concept and idea. It's something I read about, some of the stuff that I had watched on its initial announcement. And I was hyped, but I didn't want to allow myself to get too hyped. Uh, It felt like it was right in my wheelhouse. The, the, The imagery and everything about it, the artistic design, the the creation of these animals, the environmental backdrops and everything looks stunning and gorgeous for, to me. It's my style of game that I like. So I was initially drawn to that uh, when I f- first heard that it was announced. The, the concept of you controlling anthropomorphic animals, I'm always on board with that. I'm always, always, always. I, I love Crash Bandicoot. I love Spiral the Dragon. I love all sorts of games in that vein. Of course, I'm going li- to like anything with anthropomorphic animals. It's, it's got a leg up in the world for me. And I really like that they, uh, that experiment 101 was trying to introduce all these different types of gameplay and fuse them all together into this action RPG experience. I was really, really hyped, uh, to say the least, but I was still also trying to temper my expectations 
especially when it started getting delayed. Um, I was a little bit worried about that. And then I watched a video a few weeks before it being released where the director, um, I'm spacing his name right now. I do apologize for that. He was, he, uh, he Biomutant. Yes, his name is Biomutant. No, um, the director. Charles Biomutant. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> there will be Charles Biomutant to you. No, he sat down and just talked about the game for seven to ten minutes, and he was so passionate about the game, and it felt like something that wasn't scripted. He literally just sat down in a room, and they're like, you want me to give you a script? No, I'm Charles Biomutant, and I will talk about this game how I please. No, like uh, pretty much just like that This level is my of, paper, and I'll say what I want. That's pretty much what it felt like. Just basically, he was going to say what he wanted, unscripted, and it's... It came across as very genuine, and he was very much involved in the project in positive ways. When I saw that video, to me, I was like, there's no possible way I am not buying this game day one. It was such a cool, authentic, or seemingly authentic version of what we too often see, which is this scripted, over, overly produced um, experience to try and get you involved in a game. So I really loved that, and day one, I was, I was in. Um, I obviously bought the game day one, and I haven't had a lot of time with it this week, unfortunately. Um, not as much as I'd like, I should say. But everything so far about the game that I thought I would love, I'm already absolutely loving. First and foremost, uh, the way the tutorial explains how each of the systems work is great. Is it perfect? No. Is it great to me? Yes. Because you have three different systems all happening at once. You have melee, you have ranged combat, and you have magic. And when I think about something like um, the Elder Scrolls game, it isn't simple as like quickly going through those and just using them one right after the other like it's nothing. This game almost flawlessly integrates those three together to where you can use them all. So like you're shooting your gun and suddenly someone runs up on you, you immediately can attack them with a melee attack. And then if, depending on what spells you take, if you have spells at all, if that's the path you should take, um, you can use spells right after that or right before that. And like, you have so much versatility in how you approach battle. And it's been really, really fun to explore that action element of an action RPG. It's something that I don't normally explore as heavily as other games. So it's been really, really fun. That was probably my first big takeaway with the game. How, how did you guys, have you guys felt about the com the combat early on and how they've kind of married these systems together to work so well? Um, I think they mostly, mostly work in the ways you want to. I want to dissuade one thing early on that I think is important to stay. I think it's a good tip for people jumping into this game. Um, when you start this game, you choose a class um, and the reason I bring this up is because this game wants you to think it's a game with character classes, and it's totally not. Um, and the main reason I say that is, don't let any of it dissuade you. Just pick one. All you're picking is what abilities you're going to start with having already unlocked. Any mm -hmm. character is capable of learning anything and completely switching up the way they play on the fly. Um... It even has powers uh, locked behind the morality system, which morality systems almost make me like roll my eyes at this point. But I, I'm I'm t kind of okay with this one. 
because it's really easy to go down either path without it feeling like you're straying from what yeah. the story's trying to do. And you can kind of seesaw it so you could, like, I'm going to go full light, unlock all the light powers, and then just start being an asshole so I can unlock all the dark powers. Yeah, even to the point where there's there are, like, little creatures in the world that you can just pick up and be nice or mean to to change your change your morality change your morality yeah. and just you just find them out in the world like but man I, I like i want to i want to swing it this other direction let me let me go kick a dog yeah, let me go kick a dog for a few yeah minutes. it's like um, um it's like the shoot the monkey thing in mass effect um mm-hmm. but i i think that's what's good about the combat is how versatile it is like you can kind of switch up how you play on the fly i'm i'm curious what you guys were more into because i started as the saboteur um, and I was, I'm really liking the, the dual wield melee, like just the lighter yeah. melee weapons, um, quick strikes, jumping away, hitting with the gun and then jumping back in. Like, I, I think, I think it all feels really good. It's a really fast paced action RPG. Um, I would advise anyone who is even slightly good at action RPGs to play it on hard because it is not particularly yeah. challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I think similar, similar kind of first impressions the uh, the combat is uh what you make of it because you are given a lot of flexibility at the beginning um, a lot of different weapon types a lot of different abilities to unlock yeah yeah like you can you can go in any direction you want um i'm i'm currently i've got more of a focus in guns cuz i went with the uh the dead eye first which has got like a, a um, timed reload thing that'll let you instantly reload and having this instead of having to sit through the the reload animation fairly long reload it's animation very long. um and gets much longer because it's like reloading bullet at a time type thing so you start getting like there are 36 bullets in this gun and you've got to sit now, there forever um can i ask you because i think but, you've played more than shay or i i i've got maybe two or three hours in solely because I'm trying to finish up that Mass Effect review before I mm-hmm. go whole hog into this. Um, is that the case for every gun? Because I've only ever really messed with that starter revolver. I haven't, like, picked up a rifle or anything like that. Yes. I think it's I think it's more of just, like, a visual thing. It's, it's like, obviously, it's not really... You're not reloading the thing. It's just... It's presented that way. The cooldown is and presented. And you're seeing... A yeah. representation of the bullets, like one at a time. Take yeah, so I think it's. HUD. I think it's more of a, just like the visual thing. It's not like you're yeah, yeah. reloading it that. It, anyway, it's just it's the way they're showing it to just you. Just purely um, curious at that point. Yeah, but yeah, um, I don't know if you'll eventually get things later on that will like reload are, differently. There's a clip that's just like it's in. Yeah, I I am guessing no because of that ability that lets you do the you know, um. I, I always forget what the hell it's called, but the the act oh the active reload sort of a deal. It's it's basically an active reload. Yeah, yeah the dead eye class starts with. Um, and again, like I said, with it not really being class based, you can unlock that on the skill tree no matter can. who you're playing um, as. The other thing with that is eventually you will get a mech that you'll be able to like stomp around in and shoot stuff with. That ability works for the mech's guns as well, so you can oh. uh, you can do the active reload on the mech's guns if you've got that thing unlocked, which is uh, is nice. Um, I, I would, even if you want to go, go some sort of mage build or melee build, whatever, I'd put at least a little bit of something into firearms um, because you're able to use them from your different mounts throughout the game. 
later on. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to have not completely garbage stats in them. You don't you don't need a you lot. You be able to hold your own with the you don't firearm, you don't yeah. need a lot as long as you've got the level to be able to to equip the thing. A lot of it's just finding a good one. So you're not going to be completely locked out of something. Um, aside from tips, which we got derailed with there a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I just I it, uh, wanted it, to front load that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, it mostly works really well. Um, it's got a neat sort of like juggling system that is... It's not where you'd think it would be. Uh, you can knock someone up into the air after a parry, which is a strange spot to hide a juggle. But That's if cool. you if you parry an enemy, you can then hit them and knock them up into the air, and all of a sudden you're playing Devil May Cry, and you can just kind of sit there and juggle them in the air with your with your guns, and then hop up and smack them a couple of times with your melee weapons. It's it feels really good. Um, yeah, I like the parry in this game because of how rewarded you are for pulling it off. Um with just just juggling somebody after that. Um with those comic book effect visuals it makes the parry feel satisfying as hell when you get like a cling as it Mhm. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm, I'm digging the combat. It's not super in-depth, but it's it's still it's fun. it still feels satisfying even though there's not you know it's not the most complex thing in the world. I think that's part of why I like it is I feel like having three systems, it could get lost. You could get lost in the weeds or the game itself could get lost in the weeds mm-hmm. of how much shit that you could end up doing, how much true customization, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a game that wants you to get into the action right away yeah. and worry about the RPG elements as they come. And I really appreciate that. As um, as someone who plays a lot of RPGs, this game goes a little light on the RPG aspect of action RPG, and I'm really appreciating that so far. I found, which is interesting. I um, mm-hmm. as Rich was asking earlier, I actually went with a class I wouldn't normally go with. I went with Psy Freak. Uh, that's not something that I would normally play as. I I wanted. I was looking at all the various classes, and I was like, what would be one that I absolutely would almost never pick? And that's the one I went with. I wanted to try something different, and I've found that I've really enjoyed it. Um, the main perk for that is it, regen- it regenerates... Uh, is it key or chi? I can't remember how it's pronounced in this it, game. I believe it's key. Yeah, they okay. say key in this one. It's... D- does the I, British man it, say key? Mm-hmm. Can we get to the one part of this game I fucking hate? Uh, <laughs> the key regenerates 20% faster when you're a psy freak. There you go. So it means that you're casting your base spell, which is a, a ball of lightning, pretty fast. And when you run out, not just, it's just uh, you just blast away and chip away at the enemies for a few seconds, and you already start regenerating again. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed not that, just that so far. I, that was that was something else I did want to get into. Um, oh, by all means, please it, interrupt me. Weird system so you in can. this. No, no, no. The um. Your your I'm mana your really mana sure. and stamina are the same bar in this. Um oh, so yeah. like if you're That's true. If you are dodging out of the way all the time and using a ton of spells and stuff, it's you've gotta you've gotta be careful with that. 
and that kind of makes it play yeah, it more more souls likey because your normal melee attacks and guns don't use that. Um, but the the spells are really strong. But you've got that element of making sure you don't shoot yourself in the foot by running out of stamina to be able to dodge an attack or something. Um, right. No, that's but, no. I'm actually really glad you brought that up this early on because that's a good point. Um, it's it's one aspect of the combat that I wasn't really expecting. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but you do find yourself having that bar depleted more often than you would expect as a result. So if you're using a yeah. class like I think Bio it's, Freak I think it's okay. It's just good stamina. You're okay. And there are consumables to like burst your stamina back up real quick. And True. you're tripping over that stuff. Like that's another like easy early game tip. Don't be afraid to use those fucking. Yeah. There drops. are items everywhere in this game. You, you will probably not be running out of them, but, but yeah, no, no I, I kind of like that about the casters in this game because like, thematically and stat wise in a lot of other games they're the glass cannon types but yeah. i feel like it feels more like it in this because it is directly tied to whether you can Ma- dodge magic or not make me sleepy yeah yeah i like you feel like megamine you know casting you know your once a day explosion spell and then you know mm-hmm. falling asleep uh, magic missile baby mm-hmm. right right um but no, the combat's been really great so far. Um, I gotta say, I haven't gotten, like I said, I haven't gotten too far, so I haven't gotten to see all the different zones and whatnot and what the world truly has to offer. But so far, the game is visually stunning. Like, the in terms really of, pretty. it's, not, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not the most hyper-realistic by any means, but it is gorgeous. What you do see of it is absolutely gorgeous, and there, there's a lot of attention to detail in it which I really like and I love the I love the different creatures and how creative um some of them look. There's one guy you run into uh, early on in the game. It's not a spoiler, it's within the first hour. It's this elderly animal who kind of fills you in on stuff. He's in a wheelchair and he's missing uh part of one of his legs. And he's he looks incredibly different than anything else you've encountered up to that point. And then there are some other monsters that you have to fight and stuff like that as well um, very early on in the game, which are just mutated um, what seems like plants or some kind of mega bacteria, some sort of stuff. Um, I- I'm trying to be a little bit vague so I don't spoil it, I guess. But yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. Like, Good variety. Everything in this world looks so different from itself. The creature's and, design's real cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm loving it. And I love, too, the... They, they, they've really managed to capture that you are in post, post-apocalypse. Like post-apocalypse, I, I know that's kind of funny to say. Post-apocalypse, you imagine things haven't been reclaimed by the earth yet. Uh, this is more the, of a the, the destruction is still scenario. there. Yeah. You know, you think of something like The Road or Fallout, um, any of the Fallout games. Uh, nature hasn't been able to reclaim yet. But when you think about this game, and it's talking about post, post-apocalypse, those things still exist, because obviously their half-life um, is very long, mm-hmm. things haven't completely degraded, but yeah. you can see nature is really starting to take a hold, it's rampant Nature's again. healing. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool, and they managed yeah. to capture that visually. Yeah, it's funny, we talked about this uh, last week or the week before, um, 
you find a lot of plastic stuff that has managed to survive because of course all our plastic shit has survived. Yeah. Um, yep. So you'll find like weapon parts or whatever. That's just, you know, plastic stuff. Like that's, I've, I've been, I've been fighting with a toilet brush as one of my yeah. melee weapons well, that, <laughs> for a while another, now. That's another that's one of the amazing. systems I really like is the, the, the gear customization in this is just made by like putting things you find together. Mm-hmm. it's like you need a base for a weapon which dictates what the weapon type is and then you need a handle and then from there you can mod and the same goes with like clothing like you can attach an armor pad to like the sh- i like i'm wearing like a fucking leather jacket that i've like strapped metal shoulder pads to yeah yeah like, no i've got like a i don't know some sort of some sort of vest that i strapped a bunch of sandals on my back yeah that's the, and that's the other thing with the, uh like too the armor is so varied in this game and so upgradable that my other piece of advice to anyone would be like, go fashion over function, because you can just make the yeah, thing I, you think looks cool viable. Mm-hmm. I really like the customization in this game, and I'm not one to get into customization that much. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Dead Rising 2, where that game very much took customization to balls to the walls at the time it was released. Obviously not as yeah. much or innovative now, but the, where you just try and create crazy things and you just put two things that don't seem to go together together to make something and that's kind of what this game is doing obviously it doesn't have the same destructive powers that something like dead rising 2 does but the same kind of concept of taking what you can find and doing makeshift weaponry yeah Yeah. i really Mm -hmm. like that i don't i don't know if that's an apt uh comparison i don't know if uh experiment 101 was at all influenced by that but it it gives me similar vibes of like rich said makeshift rep make shift weaponry i really can't talk today guys i'm, I'm also sorry c- curious about uh and as, I, as you get more into the lore maybe i'll find out more about this but i do like the weird like cultural stuff like the people of the, the people quote unquote of this world have taken on like they refer to you as a wandering ronin like you're the one-eyed ronin mm-hmm. yeah. um i just wish and i'm gonna segue into the part i hate i wish they were telling the story completely differently um, so if you haven't seen any of the narrative stuff for this game, basically all the characters speak like an unintelligible gibberish language and you're given everything secondhand through a narrator and through text box. And I want to find the narrator and end him. Uh, I he, couldn't disagree more. I fucking hate this man. Uh, I fucking he, love this man. I, well, I, it, it's not just him. Like, he's a nice You'll voice. get there, Shay. You'll, You'll get, get there. there. It took me less than 45 minutes to be sick of hearing this motherfucker. And my bigger problem is not hearing him. I'm, I'm hours into the game, and I'm loving him. My, my, my bigger problem is not hating him. My bigger problem is the way they've chosen to write it. And everything is, like, this weird, extracted third person where, like, he expresses that, like, bro, just write me a fucking text box. Like, it makes everything weird. Like, it's not difficult, I'm, but it's a, more annoying than anything. Not just that. It's easy um, to misconstrue. Later on, I don't know if they did this because they hadn't finalized some of the models or whatnot yet, but very often he'll just start a sentence without the subject. They'll oh, just I they'll skip it. That, the, first, the first word will not be there. It, like, it should obviously be he or she thinks blah, 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 blah. Whatever, yeah. And it'll just go, thinks this. It just thinks. Oh, this. I already and noticed that. Explain. Yeah. And I don't, I feel like that's because they didn't know 
what the I don't know. It, the only the only reason I can possibly think that is if they wanted it to be interchangeable. Like just say they then because it's yeah. so awkward. It's really awkward having it. I wish I could vocalize I, I wish I could mute the narrator entirely. Yeah, I, no, like I, he's. I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I'd even be fine with a narrator if he spoke over the gibberish, but the gibberish speaks, and then, then he speaks. Then they just sit there. The character so you're it, looking at just sits there while the while narrator explains what they said. It, it makes every exchange take twice as twice long as, as long as it should. Yeah, is kind of. I, the, I don't think. I don't think that's the narrator's fault. I think that's probably more the implementation. And I can understand your yeah, criticism. Yeah, it's, it's, it is some of the implementation of it. Oh, no, that, yeah. that was the point I was trying to make if that wasn't clear. I, I, like, he has become the catalyst for my rage. Like, because I have to hear his voice as it's happening. But more so than me hating him, I hate the implementation. Yeah, like, the well, way I, the narrative is, like, that that's part of it. Part of it is almost every NPC in the world you can walk up to and talk to, but they have nothing interesting to say. Most of them have nothing, but it still pulls you into that normal narrative new camera frame thing and does the narrator thing again. So the nothing that it has for them to say to you takes like 10 seconds instead of like quickly clicking on them saying, oh, they've got nothing to say, keeping your camera where it's supposed to be and you just keep walking. Um, right and, and it's, it just, it's a cool concept yeah. in theory it's a cool concept in theory unfortunately i don't think it was implemented very well but i, I wanted to make sure that distinction was very very yeah. clear i know i know you had said yeah, 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 i yeah. wanted it 100 percent clear because i think about something a few years ago like the fucking rotom decks from sun and moon that i still hate years later i fucking hated that Love and em. that was an example <laughs> of a narrator that i wanted to take out back yeah an old yeller to be part, honest part of the reason i, I was saying you might get there narrator. Is because no, of that. You've changed like, my mind, Shay. I hate this guy. Because, but like, I'm. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll start well, narrating you, everything you, you do your while thoughts. you're let, let me get as well. let me get some thoughts so. in here. You guys have had a lot of Go thoughts. Ahead. Let me get some thoughts in here, please. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love the narrator. Um, I love like his his delivery and everything is really exciting. It's done nothing but made me want to invest more time into the world. The performance itself to me is exceptional um it's it's awesome and what he's being asked to do which is translate from the gibberish language to um a language we understand is he's he's doing a great job with what he's been given now i mm-hmm. understand your guys's criticism of that completely because it does take a long time i've you know i think of it's kind of like akin to a situation where a real life translation would be occurring where it takes longer than you want it to, and it's annoying sometimes. Um, do you want to play that in a game? I don't know. Everyone's going to feel differently about that, obviously. But I don't think that's a narrator's fault. And I really like the narrator, and I like the way he imparts the story to you, and I like the way he imparts some of the more important conversations between two characters to you, the player. I haven't gotten far enough to have enough of those kind of annoying interactions where you're talking to people for no reason and that to occur because then i will probably feel yeah well closely to you guys but as of right now i'm absolutely loving the narrator in the story that he's i was annoyed before the tutorial was over i i did this i i killed myself in in like the first town because i'm like there's got to be more stuff there and they all have unique stuff going on it's not like it's recycled lines it's all unique 
but it all is nothing essentially like there's nothing to it and so i like talked to almost everybody in the first town and it took way longer than it should have and after that i've basically come to learn like if they don't have an icon over their head don't talk to them um yeah it's i mean it kind of lines up too with what we were talking about earlier in terms of the combat where it's lighter on the rpg and more on the action i I think and this is not your Mm -hmm. fault josh but i think you went looking for deeper rpg elements where there were none you know and exactly exactly and that's not that's nobody's fault that's just the way the way the game was designed and some people are going to like that because some people and i'm not saying me necessarily don't want to talk to a hundred people to find the one piece of information you need to go forward some people do like that. So yeah, like because kind of like, like what we were talking about even, earlier. It's different different shows for different yeah. folks. Like I they like they, and as far as the amount of content they've got there, it feels like the NPCs in Spider Man. Like it's amazing that you can kind of bump into them and they'll Spider! say something to you real quick, and you keep walking. Like I feel like had all these interactions just happened i push the button they start doing a gibberish thing i can still move around whatever the guy tells me what they said as i keep exploring perfect mm. perfect that would have been excellent um it's mm. just that it's all the all the dialogue is way too slow because of the way they do that a pro tip with that if you just double click through the gibberish it'll kind of start playing both files so you'll still hear the gibberish but then you'll be able to read the text and he'll start talking for that it but like again it's 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 the identical system they built the one um dialogue system and i i don't know i feel like they could have done something to just play the sound file or just pop up the thing for just non-story related characters something to speed it up because it uh Whatever it's, it's it's again it's a minor thing, but it's so slow that I don't want to waste my time with it. But also, then I feel like I'm missing out on stuff because I'm not reading it. And it's like I have in-game FOMO. Exactly. Like it should be something that takes three seconds of my time, and instead it takes twelve, and that's enough for me to skip it when it happens yeah. over and over and over again. And it yeah yeah. It should be more understand. easily accessible while I continue exploring and whatnot. I think well, that's hopefully... what made me walk away for now until I finished my other stuff because I was like, this is taking too long. I have a Mass Effect and I have to get through. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe in the future then they will introduce a patch or something to where that they will kind of make that experience a little bit uh, shorter. Hopefully. I don't know how they could rework the entire game or that entire experience to make that happen but who knows who knows or if it's something that if this game is successful enough fingers crossed which it obviously the review scores are a little bit concerning um in terms of projections for that if that's how you use review scores um yeah it's not looking promising but i really do hope that this game is successful enough to where they can consider a second one i granted again i'm not that super far into the game but i think within the first a little bit of game that you, uh, you can play, there is a lot here. Even the um, FMV at the very yeah. beginning of the game got me really hyped uh, to just crack right in and start playing. There's so much here and it's so much fun. And if you're, ex- you're expecting this yeah. 
deep, intricate, system-oriented RPG, obviously, yeah, you're going to be disappointed a little bit because that's not what this game is. Was ever but also, slated to be. There are a lot of systems. Oh well, yeah, there are a lot of systems, but they're not in depth. Is the thing like, I I feel like some people saw what how they were advertising this and expected some of them it to are. be super. Yeah, it's, it's yeah kinda... some of them get pretty pretty wild. Yeah, they do. Like, they it's, do. It's, yeah, yes. Yeah. So the you, level you the leveling system I think about on... is a, is a little in depth. Yeah, like I, I I think the way they I think the way the crafting and customization works is like one of the more interesting systems they put in there as far as um that's the thing i, I think i like the most yeah well i, I, I don't know I, I like the exploration just kind of wandering around finding stuff it, it's a pretty but, it, it's i like the exploration for the same reason i like exploration in breath of the wild yeah like it's got even a, when there's yeah. not a whole lot going on there's a lot to take in it's just fun to see yeah and that starts yeah. becoming yeah they're, they're like even well not not more fun but like you can you can see more of it and it like it's like as you start finding those mounts and stuff Mm -hmm. uh, like i just really enjoy just kind of hopping on a kind of like kind of like in breath of the wild just hop on a horse and go go find something um yeah why haven't the horses mutated that's a question i want to know i assume because the rabbits were better at being horses than they were Makes mm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm currently riding a snuffleupagus. I'm I'm really not sure. <laughs> so you're you're riding Big Bird's schizophrenic <laughs> nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's a question that needs to be answered. I'll have to I'll have to take a picture of them here at some point. Sure. So. Yeah. I'm actually glad you're loving the game, Josh, because I thought that I uh I didn't think that you would like it, but I'm glad you're liking it, and it makes me happy. I'm glad that we well, all it's, are enjoying it in some form. It's real it's, fun. It is. It is real fun. It's got not without its problems. Yeah. Um. I kind of all right. Uh, this is gonna sound like a rip, but it's not. Like I'm the way a lot of systems come together ends up creating experiences. I'm not even entirely sure they were going for. A lot of the loop in this game feels like Fortnite to me, um, where sort sort of Fortnite, sort of Fallout, but this idea of like just wandering around deserted buildings, finding shit, like just you know equipping a bunch of random new items and whatnot, and eventually you'll get in a fight because the enemies are really, really sporadically placed. Uh, in the world and sometimes you'll just go on exploring for a significant amount of time before bumping into something so it feels an, like an awful lot of preparing for a fight you might get into a fight um, that you know will come at some point yeah so when. it's got it's got that sort of fortnighty vibe to just like collecting stuff in these abandoned buildings um and i don't know if that's what they were going for but it's something that i was really feeling um got some real PUBG clearing out in the bathtub yeah box. yeah clearing out some of these buildings and whatnot obviously none of that's like the actual gameplay itself you know is not like that but like it, as far yeah. as the experience it's got that sort of let, let me let me gear up for a fight that i know is going to happen eventually sort of a feel to it which obviously people like so 
Um, oh, um, last thing I definitely want to bring up because I just realized we didn't talk about it at all. I they're simple, but I weirdly like the puzzles. Yeah. Um, yeah. All all the puzzles are pretty simple. Like, uh, it'll be like old world devices. It'll be like turning knobs to connect the correct colored line segments on like a fucking yeah. microwave. Um, to get it to unlock so you can take a part out of it that you can then use to make a weapon. Yeah. I'm not sure how nice. in depth that will get because they mentioned at the character creation that you get more moves for those puzzles if you've got a bunch of intelligence. Yeah. So far with the base intelligence, I've been able to solve all the puzzles. I don't know if any of them will be locked out where they're just you impossible. You, you need that's, more moves. That's what to I'm more curious them. about. Yeah. Are I've not hit ones... any that are so far, but I'm curious if they are. Uh, yeah. So. I'm, I'm curious if they're like you were saying, if there's going to be ones where it's, well, you need at least this many moves to do it. Or if the point of having more moves is just like, I can brute force this now. Yeah. That's what I'm not sure about. I'm, I'm not sure which direction it's going. I kind of hope there are some that you need more intelligence for, because I've seen weapons like that so far where you'll pick up something and it's not just, you can use this it's at level 12. To a certain it's a uh, intelligence stat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you need X amount of vitality to yes. equip this thing. So I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that there are at least a few things kind of locked behind stats, yeah. Stats so there's a reason to like roll a new character or something. Totally, um, yeah. I I kind of hope that. So I'm we'll we'll see. I've I've yet to I've yet to see how exactly that's going to work. Each yeah. playstyle is rewarded or if it's going to be something where you eventually just cap all your stats or something. I I don't know end game wise where it's headed, but Part of yep. me is, uh, when I talked about the fashion over function, part of me is uh, slightly disappointed I didn't start as the mercenary just so I could have that straw hat. Because mm. I really want it. You'll find yeah. some straw hats. There's a, oh, there's to a hear it. good so, good selection. I'm not, any, not any that I've found that have been quite as cool as that first starting one. but uh, so, Might have to start over. Yeah. There might, I'm sure there will be some later. Fingers crossed that there is, or are, words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saboteur did Grammar. give me a cool leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I really, uh, I'm glad we're really enjoying the game. Uh, I think that it kind of speaks to the earlier conversation, obviously, that don't let a score drive you away from something. Let If you are curious about something, read some reviews, because this game has been a lot more fun than the review scores that Metacritic have shown. And it's not like the criticisms or the constructive criticism or the points and note aren't necessarily necessarily wrong obviously it's very opinion based and like josh said he finds that the more openness of the open world better for him in a in a landscape recently where open worlds are more cluttered and obviously even on this podcast we have differing opinions about something as simple as like a narrator so if you're interested Mm -hmm. in the game give it some time i mean it's been a really really fun game um i've enjoyed it so far it's been a cool experience for me and I think the other two agree in different ways. So check it out if you're interested yep. in Biomutant. Um and Experiment 101, thank you for crafting an awesome game and finally putting it out. Uh next, the only other game that we're gonna be talking about this week. It seems like we've been talking for a long time and we've hardly talked about games. It's kind of cool. Uh we've we've had a lot to do. It's probably the game show that took so much time. But anyways uh, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs. That it, like when you sent me that, Josh, I looked at my phone like, what the fuck? 
I like it's it's a cool name, but it's also a really long name. But it's also a very like to the point name. Like it was all like there's a lot to take in by just reading that name. So I'm gonna give it to you guys. You guys take it away. Tell tell me and everyone else about this game. What the fuck is this game, guys? Well, as yeah. As you it's can... funny you say that, Shay, because even in the Steam description, the creator even said, you could just refer to this game as Airport like I've been doing for months. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as you can tell from the name, it's uh, based on the light novel of the same name. Correct, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I actually streamed a bunch of this the other night, so if anyone, like, we'll, we'll talk about it here, but if anyone wants to get a taste to see what it's like in action, you can watch that VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Kind of in that uh, comedy adventure game is how I would how I would pin it. Yeah, um, like absurdist first person game sort of a feel to it that uh, you know, like you get from like the the Blendy games. Um, mm-hmm. It's Blendy, right? I feel like that's wrong now that I said it out loud. Bendy? Is it Bendy? I think it's Bendy. Might be Bendy. I don't know. Hmm. Blendo? Blendo, sure. Well, let me. Hardly matters. Hardly. Anyway, but yes. Um, point being, sort of low poly, really stylized art uh, that is there to f- f- just, just serve the purpose of the narrative. Most of the art in this game is just JPEGs of dogs. Yes. Yeah. Um, like the environments are like the low poly parts, and yes. then a character will literally just be, be like a- not not even gammed out, so it's an outline. Literally just a square, like the They're- rectangular JPEG of the dog, of a dog signposted uh, into the world. What one of my favorite jokes in the game is: there's a dog you can find in one of the airports, um, who has an actual 3D model. And if you talk to him, he's like, I don't know how this happened. It's painful. Um, <laughs> like, he doesn't like that he's no longer just a 2D image. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this game features such wonderful characters as Bribe Dog, the dog who loves bribes. Uh, definitely a dog, the dog who is not a cat. Uh, Jimmy Donuts, the dog who sells donuts. Uh, this game's fucking weird, and I, I kind of love it. Uh, Josh, did you have you finished it already? I don't know. I'm, I'm I have... not done yet. No, I've not finished it. Uh, I've been so busy this week with kind of like I was telling you earlier, all the IRL crap going on yes. this week that uh, I've I've only put a. I put about two hours in. Yeah, about the same, about the same. Um, but yeah, like the narrative is really strong, given how weird it is. Um, it it's kind of the a far future. I think are you supposed to be your character and your your girlfriend are the last two humans left alive? Yes. Um, um, and you're traveling from alien airport to alien airport to meet up with her when she has breaks from her job, and dealing with all these dogs that now rule parts of the the universe, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. who can talk, and uh, you basically have to fumble through this alien language to make sure you're getting to the proper terminal on time to catch your flight. Yeah, um, so that's kind of the the premise, but within that, it's like there's a ton of good humor, like you said, with all the the different dogs. Like one of my favorites is the the dog who hates briefcases, who runs a briefcase yes. store because if <laughs> he quits, if he quits, someone else would have to run the briefcase store, and his yeah. conscience wouldn't let him 
foist that on someone else. So he's he's got to stay there and keep dealing with the briefcases. Keep, yeah, there's a dog with too many cabinets. Um, who you know, there's nothing wrong with the cabinets, <laughs> but he just has too many of them. So you should mm-hmm. probably take one. Um, I do like. There's a good. How else to pin this other than airport humor? Where they talk about early on how because you're traveling through multiple airports, they're like all airports kind of have the same stores, but um, they you know they close down so often it's probably going to be different every time you come back. So you'll come back to airports and stores will have just moved or disappeared entirely. Um, every airport has a medical wing with a a doctor dog who you can get drugs from or he'll save your game for you. Mm-hmm. Uh. I believe there's a reoccurring joke about the the uh, dogs who give you your boarding pass having short term memory loss. Yeah, uh, so, so you, you can just a- keep asking them for boarding passes. Not just that, he'll give you oh, the- more than one boarding pass. I don't yes. know if you've noticed that. So like, yeah, the the last option is uh when he's like, oh, do you need a boarding pass? I think it's yes. I, as a matter of fact, I need fifty, <laughs> and they'll just drop fifty of them. Just a pile of them. Um, like you can kind of tell this from we've been joking it is mostly about the humor but again a lot of the kind of touching personal things about again you're you're going there to meet your fiance i don't even know if they address that much it's your girlfriend at the very least yeah um it's just they're they're nice little little stories it's it's it is it is very much kind of about you know the experience of of just being here and you and petting dogs yes yes there's also there's a dedicated pet button so you can you can pet the dogs as well pet the jpegs um there's a weird uh area in every airport again we talked about how you need to catch your flight on time so it'll have a time stamped on the gate and on your boarding pass um and every airport has a dedicated area filled with clocks called the time zone that standing in will make time pass so you can catch your flight Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's just it's bizarre and it's it's delightfully bizarre. Yeah, I it's it, yeah, I I think like Rich, Rich mentioned it earlier. I think if you kind of if you if any of this sounds remotely interesting to you, I'd I'd go check out his vod and see if it's something that you'd be uh, interested in playing more of. It sounds wild as hell and also incredibly incredibly charming. It's 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 so just yeah charming is the correct word. It's very weird. Um, another thing I absolutely love. We talked about how the dogs are just like these standing JPEGs. Whenever the dogs have like a standout feature, like if a dog is wearing a hat, it'll be a JPEG with a three D rendered hat on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I found a That's dog with elf ears, and, and so it's just time. got like these two yes, ears sticking off Josh, the, the there, sides. Yeah, there are multiple. Yeah dogs with elf ears because i don't know if you've gotten here yet you could take a flight to the elf planet to the yes exactly and they've all got the ears yes <laughs> on the sides of their jpegs um yeah yeah it's it is it is delightful it is a it has been a really fun little experience mm-hmm. so far um cool. i've not finished it either well, so hope, i'm curious are you guys gonna play more this There's week like a big Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I would bet you we're both probably done with it before the next time uh, we record. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm excited to see kind of where it goes because 
not too re- really worried about spoilers <laughs> with that one unless you guys really want to do a chomping after dark on that one but kind of curious to see where it ends up going like the whole point of it all and everything yeah only if we can talk about dog cool. dimodome cool oh well goodness. you guys want to take one more quick break and then uh we'll round up the back part of the show with uh polls and patreon shout outs sure thing mm-hmm. honey. okay babes let's go on break be right back spring break hey there welcome if you found this you must be listening to the chomp cast we appreciate you thank you so much for being here i know you're wondering well, hey shit tell them about the other podcast yes i know you're wondering what else could i listen to don't forget the other podcast what else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. All right, we are back from break. We are going to do some polls. Every... What day do I do it? Every Tuesday... Monday. Every Monday. I thought I'd have it down this week. I didn't. Every Monday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, we do some social media polls that you, the listeners, vote on, and we read the results live on the podcast. Um, this week, I got them down better. I, I've been really excited to do these uh, on the show this week. I had some fun. So first one is, is Biomutant a day one purchase for you? 25% of people said yes, and 75% percent of people unfortunately said no which i can understand uh with the all the tepid reviews and whatnot that i'm sure a lot of people which i've heard said we'll wait for a uh sale before we get that game and i think that's unfortunate i think it's a it's a really good game i think it stands to say that 60 dollars is a great price for the game but also obviously with three of us here we we bought it to kind of review the game and talk about it with you so uh obviously we're gonna have a slightly different opinion than you in sixty dollars. Maybe you want to spend on another game that's gonna be dropping soon. There are a lot of games that are mm-hmm. coming out right now, so I completely understand that. But I definitely think it's worth sixty dollars, uh, for for what I have to say. I don't know about uh, you guys. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Shay, while while we're on a, a what I think is a tangentially related poll, would you mind if I slipped a, a Twitter poll I ran about Biomutant in here real quick? After we're done reflecting on this, if you guys don't have anything else to say, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, that kind of, that number sounds about right to me, honestly. Just yeah, from kind of what I was I saying about... I thought it might about, be higher, but... Well, I mean, the day one part of it, kind of like I was saying earlier, mm. like, if you want to let some of your friends be guinea pigs and see if they talk you into it, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Rich, slip your uh, Twitter poll in. 
You dirty bastard. Yeah. Uh, so on the same, the same thing about Biomutant, basically, I, I was thinking about how uh, weirdly similar in terms of like character design, not magically similar. Um, Ratchet and Clank being about a week or two weeks away at this point. Um, so I did a quick poll of which game about weird furry fellers slash lady fellas are you more excited for? Uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart or Biomutant? And this one came out 50-50. Huh. Which surprised me. That also surprises me. Other than... Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see who votes on what in different areas. Because I know when I, whenever I ran Twitter polls, it was always... Like, the, the results always surprised me. Like, Instagram crowd and Twitter crowds, two totally different groups of people. Well... We did get, yeah, some people to reply, and I, I think the consensus seemed to be um, a lot of people lean towards excitement for Biomutant a bit more because it's a new IP, and maybe that doesn't necessarily mean they're That's going true. to pick it up immediately, but more interested in to see how it does and what, what the game looks like, because, like, Ratchet & Clank's a known quantity. Like, I don't think anyone is doubting that that's going to be a good game. Right, exactly. exactly. I, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's because, you know, still can't find a PS5. Wait a minute, there's one right over here. For, well, just for the numbers yeah. on there. Yeah, that's, that's part of it, too, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Let's get back into the Instagram polls. Next one was, how excited are you for the Biomutant character design? 44% of people said, I'm so excited. And 56% of people said, meh, whatever. Which, uh... I guess I can understand. I I don't know. I really, really enjoyed messing around with the character design. It wasn't as mind-blowing as I had built it up to be in my mind, but it was still really, really fun. And I've really enjoyed, um, like we talked about, uh, some of the other customization that you can do as well. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, kind of like Rich was mentioning earlier. You six factions to choose. F- oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you can... If you want to just treat that as a character designer and basically ignore the stat-related stuff, you can do that and then just correct afterwards. It won't. Yeah. It won't. You. It won't set you too far behind. Um, if you want to make a weird, big-headed monster. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you. Yeah. Wanted to have a guy with a gigantic head, which is normally like the you know like the intellect build or whatever. I'm playing yeah. the Incredible Hulk villain leader. Mm-hmm. You can. You can do that and then. Just change your stats later on if you just if you wanted to make it more just a character creator. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So you have six factions to choose from, three light and three dark. Which path will you take? Fifty-two percent of people said light, and forty-eight percent of people said dark, which lines up pretty well. I think that makes sense. I mean, nothing too shocking there, right, guys? I don't think so. No, um, I based my stuff off of fashion, and I went with the dark Whoa. because the the first dark uh, group you have has the cooler looking armor set. Mm-hmm. You know what? You just you don't you unknowingly just assisted me with probably one of the greatest transitions we'll ever unknowingly get because the next poll has really? everything to do with fashion. I said so. Uh, these Yeezy foam R N N R S's or runners. Did you know that these overpriced bizarre shoes exist? And if you guys haven't seen these, hold on just a second. I don't know uh-huh. if you can see that very well. That's an ocarina. 
Ocarina. I no. Um, the choices were what the hell or what's the hell in red. Forty-one uh, percent of people voted for what the hell, and fifty-nine percent of people voted for what the hell in red. Uh, those shoes, guys, sell for over three hundred dollars. Yeah, gross. Yeah, no, it sounds about right. Have you guys seen Nike's new Intercourse shoe? No, but uh, I... what the hell just yeah. happened? There was a lag, so it didn't. Sh- it didn't show you showing us at your webcam suddenly because of the lag. All of a sudden the camera was there and, and then suddenly it disappeared again because of the lag that I have. So it looked like you literally mm. just switched to an, a secondary camera just to show us that. Oh, as you know, I probably, that probably would have been the better thing to do either way. The joke was, it was an onion article where there was a Nike shoe that just said fornicator on it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I really like that that shoe exists because it gives me hope that we could design some crazy ass shit. And if we make it, if we make it, and we make it exclu- make it as in Sorchomp makes it, and we make it exclusive and unique enough, we could design pretty much whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, I think that actually may be the trick. Just make it ridiculously expensive for no reason to start with, and but then I think people will that, think they want it. Doesn't your brand have to be being a crazy person for that to work? You might be right, Rich. I'm really not sure. Not sure how how much the insanity plays into that. I'm nice at ping pong. Ping pong, nice. Once said, Uh, "I'm a fix wolves." Okay, so anyways, the uh, okay, I can't I can't explain that right now. I'll explain it later. All right, next poll. Because of COVID nineteen. Many musicians and artists have had to resort to live streaming shows to make ends meet. Have you bought a ticket and watched a live stream during the pandemic? Now, this was prompted because I've actually checked out a few of those live streams now. I bought some tickets to Tesseract and August Burns Red. Um, Those were the two main ones that I've done it to, and I've considered doing it for a few other bands as well. I've checked out some of the other various live stream events I uh I enjoyed watching the uh, Run the Jewels one on Cartoon Network or Adult Swim a few months back. That one was really cool as well. That one was free. Uh, so I was just curious. Um, I watched one last week. 30% of people said, yeah, Couch Mosh. And 70, 70% of people said, nope, not yet. So have you guys bought any um, tickets to some bands to watch their live stream or not yet? I haven't done concert tickets. Um, I watched a, a Tim and Eric stream, uh, like comedy show thing that I bought tickets for. Uh, but mm. I have I have not done a concert during the uh, during the pandemic. No, it's it's such a weird experience, dude. Like I'm gonna tell you right now because obviously the two that I bought were both metal bands, and uh, like I remember I bought. I bought the Tesseract one because it was my dad's birthday at the end of last year. And so him and I watched it together and that was a really fun experience because, uh, him and I have seen them live together. So it was really cool to kind of talk about that with him. But the August Burns red one, uh, was one there. There's an album of theirs called leveler. And I had it in the CD in my truck stereo for years. And it's just something when I first started going to college, I would listen to it every day driving to college. 
So that CD, I just have fucking memorized front to back. And so they're doing, they're doing a 10 year anniversary stream of that CD. And I was like, Oh, that shit's got to happen. And so I'm sitting there watching, I'm really enjoying the show. And then there's this one brutal song that comes on near the end. And I'm just like fucking mosh pitting on my couch at like nine 30 at night. I'm like, fucking shit. I want to punch some people in the mosh, not punch people. You know, I, I want to get into a fucking mosh pit. Um, I'm thinking that in the middle of my living room and, uh, I was getting hyped. It was a weird experience because I was just getting so fucking jazzed just to end up sitting in my living room. But no, it was a really fun experience. I, I've actually enjoyed those kind of experiences, uh, being able to watch those. It feels really exclusive in some ways, which I think is to the benefit of musicians who can't afford touring. I think it's a really cool alternative. I'm hoping yeah, no, it doesn't go away. Money's got to be made somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, like, obviously musicians uh me being one and having played lots of live shows there's nothing like feeding off the energy of a live crowd there's absolutely nothing that cannot be duplicated replicated it cannot be uh synth synthetically made i don't know how to word that that's probably not the right word you cannot create it there's nothing like having a crowd there to supply that energy but um I mean, as for struggling musicians who can't afford to go out on tour, this is a really cool option. And obviously, there's still a lot that goes into it because um, a lot of these artists, they're actually renting out studios and they, have, they put on a light show. And I mean, there's still a lot of money that goes into it. But I, I still think this is a cool alternative, um, especially for, you know... Um, bands that don't usually tour overseas like if it's a european band and they don't often go to africa if they do these kind of one-off shows then people around the world can watch them and it's more accessible and especially if you buy a ticket online it's more exclusive i think it's a really cool way um of offering a different kind of live experience well i also i also think it would behoove them to and like you said to not have this go away to even when bands are out there on tour like make a digital option like have cameras mm-hmm. at the show that you can buy and watch live online from like that's totally been a thing for concerts in the past it should continue to be a thing if you want to watch the, metallica get dubbed over on twitch well that i mean that it's it's cool thing. in theory the, the oh, problem is you can't love it you, you can't account as much for sound uh obviously each of course not each, yeah each location is going to be different on top of that um, knowing from personal experience, going to having gone to many metal shows, been in many metal pits, to try and get the camera angles you want, you're gonna have to very much safeguard that equipment, and that's gonna be pricey, and that's gonna be really hard to prevent people, especially drunken people, from not falling over on that equipment. The only way you're gonna be able to do that is suspending that equipment in the air, and that can't be cheap. So, um. Yeah, it's it is the way I do it. It's it's <laughs> That's why you have that sex swing in the background. No, I um I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just like there's a lot of logistical things that the average band would have to try and figure out, and I think it's going to take a few of those higher those higher profile bands like you're saying Rich Metallica or uh, Foo Fighters or something like that to kind of pioneer that. And then some that will kind of trickle down and make that more accessible for these lesser known musicians and musical acts so good luck kanye we're all counting on you (laughs) i don't know after we saw those runners um anyways uh on to the the next poll um 
This one's a little bit more serious, actually. I was, and this is a true story. I was discussing with a close friend the other day how wild and weird it was that spanking was so normal when millennials and older generations were children. We look back with a revisionist eye along with multiple studies to show how wrong it was for children to be spanked. Were, were any of you spanked as a child? And um, 73% of people said sadly yes. 27% of people said no. Now, I received n- not any bad messages. I received a few messages from people saying that, like, basically, I was spanked as a child. It hasn't had any aver- adverse effects on me or hasn't really affected me in my adulthood. Um, the Rev had sent me a message saying, like, oh, it was, it was fine. I was spanked a lot and um, didn't really affect me. And he's like, but then I kind of look at my mental state now and maybe I'm not the best person to ad- advise that. <laughs> Jokingly <laughs> said that. But, um you know, we, we, we don't have to get as personal as we want to, but basically I know for me personally, um, and this is like not an indictment on any, anyone or anything like that. Um, my, 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 my mother and I don't, haven't always gotten along in my life. And there are a few times where she went to like punish me and spank me and stuff like that. And in my early teens, I was like, you know, like I'm past the age to where you you should be doing this. And I I was a kind of a piece of shit kid when I was in my early teens. Um, Not saying I deserve to get spanked or anything like that, but I was kind of a piece of shit. And so being a single mother who had a few boyfriends here and there, she had she had a uphill battle with me. And there are a few times where she tried to spank me. And I was like, dude, I'm I'm too old. I didn't say dude, but I was like, I'm too old to be getting spanked right now. Um. And her and I ended up getting into a few fist fights <laughs> and it all stemmed from spanking, you know, because like it was instilled that I need to defend myself. And that again, not necessarily her fault there um, or anything like that. And it's partially, I have some blame there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I've had other experiences as well that I don't really want to obviously air out here. Cause this is a video game podcast, but I was really curious about it because I, I, I don't believe in spanking. You know, when I was younger, I believe spanking served a purpose. And even when I was yeah, in my early kink. 20s, I believe spanking served a purpose. But um, as I've gotten older and I've actually become a teacher and teach children, I've realized that this like negative reinforcement pattern isn't the way to influence uh, better behavior from children or anybody else you want um, at all. Uh, I, I, and I, I've had people like say to me, well, people need to know that there are consequences. Well, that's not the right set of consequences that you want to teach somebody. Like, if you don't do this right, someone's going to kick your ass. Like, that's that's not what we need to be teaching people, right? Like, I don't know. I don't stuff. want to get on my soapbox here mm-hmm. too much, but um, yeah, no, yeah. Like, your kid you gets in trouble, enjoy. you you sell their things. Yeah, that's the deal. Really? I always walk had. walk right in there, um, like. So you're like <laughs> Hope you don't like this teddy bear. I, I don't. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was never spanked, so I don't really have a, like, I, I don't think it's a necessary thing, but I never was, so I don't really have a, yeah. I don't really think I have a, a worthwhile input here. It, it really depends from kid to kid whether it would do anything at all. Um, I think right. in most cases, it's completely useless completely useless uh 
Honestly, I think timeout works the best. It sounds really stupid, but just fucking timeout. Like these overstimulated kids, especially these days, when... Like, I didn't have TV when I was growing up. And now my kids have fucking tablets and games and shit constantly. Just, just making them sit down is a big deal. Um, just time out. Try time out, people. It's, it's really simple. And it works. I get that part of that is voluntary because you've got a kid there who is going to need to sit in the chair. And, but you that's know, what duct tape do for. it do it to themselves. But again, if it's gotten to a point where you can't tell a kid to sit somewhere and have them sit there, uh, yeah. I think you fucked up for the last several years up until this point. So you know you're probably not listening to what anyone else has to say about anything. So whatever. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of it though. Like I I agree, Josh is like, I'm sure some people who who are hearing this are parents are like, well, you don't fucking know what my child is like, or they're even looking at me and saying, you don't have your own children, you're just a fucking English teacher. There's only, like only so much you have to deal with, and you know what? Hey, Fair. I've had dogs. Fair, but uh, well, not rich. Um, <laughs> all I'm gonna say is this: simply, there is a bunch of scientific studies out there. Do the research yourself. Um, I don't believe in spanking, and I believe personally it affected me negatively um, in some ways. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So I, I, don't know, I was just curious about it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we can kind of have these kind of discussions, um, even if we don't all agree with each other on them. So, yeah. The last one is a, a lot less heavy. <laughs> um, you know, last week in the polls, I had talked with you guys about bio What does Kirby's stuff. dick look like? <laughs> Yes, exactly. No, um, whatever he ate last. So, I uh, I have been having people ask me about the bio break, if it's coming back, how it's coming back, and so I put a poll up. I said, "You clamored for bio break to return, so we brought it back in the form of an IG story last week. Would you like to see bio break return in a quick, digestible format, like an IG story, or do you want something more meaty and research?" And it was close to fifty fifty. Fifty three percent of people said a quickie, and then forty forty seven percent of people said work it for me. Um, now the reason why I asked this is because this is going to kind of blend, this is going to be all kind of like one big transition and an ad and everything in a one. Personally, I would love to do a short podcast, a weekly podcast on reading an article, um, that I think would be interesting to the general masses or something that I'm really passionate about and then exploring it and breaking it down with my knowledge, um, my scientific knowledge, my scientific background. I would love to do that. Um, that sounds probably like one of the, my favorite things in the world. Thing being is, obviously, we do a lot here already, as it is, and especially um, with the three of us being here, we do a lot. Um, and it's not to say I will never do it at all, but the only way for, that I can say that it would be guaranteed that we would do something a little bit more longer standing like a podcast would be to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash short Um, I, I want to do it and I probably will end up doing it in some way, shape or form either way, but depends on how that content will be rolled out and depends on the frequency of me doing that. Um, if, if we get people to sign up for the Patreon, that 
streamlines that process that makes it to where I will make that a priority that sh that shows me that there are enough people out there that are interested and I'll get the ball rolling immediately on something like that. Um, no problems, no questions asked. But right now with how much we're doing and how busy we are, the it's not as much of a priority for me, um, unfortunately, because I have too many other things to do on a daily and weekly basis. Hell, I barely played Biomutant this week because I was doing other stuff for um, our business and whatnot and stuff in my personal life. But if I can see, like, if we can see that there are enough people that want that, then yeah, let's fast track it. Um, so there, there, there are a bunch of poll or not polls. Uh, there are a bunch of uh, different tiers over at Patreon. I'm not going to talk about it too much. Um, you know what Patreon is. We offer a lot of cool, unique things over there, like a private Instagram page. We offer uh, private Discord. We offer Skype calls, all sorts of stuff. Um, if you're interested in any of that and you want to support us, what we do here, just head over there. Check check stuff out. Um, it would mean the world to us, and it would help us fast-track these kind of ideas that Rich has a podcast he wants to do. I have a podcast I want to do. Those kind of things. Um, it helps support us, and it helps keep the lights on. So, um, and speaking of Patreon, because that's the end of the polls for this week, so thank you to each and every one of you if you want to participate in that. Um, like I said, every Monday at the Swordchomp Instagram, you can be a part of that there in the stories. Feel free to vote. Um, we love when you guys do that. It makes for fun, interesting conversations. But uh, this week, as is every final week of the month, we have our Patreon shoutouts. At the end of every month, we like to give shoutouts to those who keep the engine running, keep the lights on, keep us going, all that sort of jazz. Um, we are incredibly, incredibly appreciative of our patrons, patrons, excuse me. So without further ado, here is May 2021's Patreon shoutouts of the month. Enjoy. The three of us wake up on the street, face down, with rain pattering on our backs. Our clothes are soaked, chilling our bones. We slowly regain our faculties as we try to remember the last thing that happened. We were playing a round of Mario Kart and drinking beers when we were suddenly bludgeoned from behind. We push ourselves to our feet and find ourselves in an abandoned town. Night has fallen. Street lamps keep it from being completely dark, save for one flickering ten meters from us. We are surrounded by buildings both small and large. Where the hell are we? <sighs> I'm not sure. My head feels like shit. Oof. Speaking of, I have to take a shit. Wait! What? What's this? Oh my god, is, is that a gun? Yeah. What is this doing in my pocket? Wait, do you guys have one too? Rich and Josh both pulled out handguns from their jacket pockets. How did these end up here? Look, someone's coming. The three look down the street and see someone slowly walking towards them, almost shuffling. Their head loosely bounces from side to side with each stride. As the form comes closer, all of the street lamps 
suddenly go dark, except for the flickering lamp. The form stops moving and raises its head. A man stares at them with a look of hunger. Gaunt and sickly, the man lets out a feral growl. He raises his arms straight out towards the three and begins to walk towards them faster. Sir, please stand back. Hello? Sir? Don't come any closer. Should we run? Mm, let's get out of here. The street lamps all turn on again, and they fully see the disheveled form coming towards them. A zombie. They turn to run away, and another form is shuffling towards them from the opposite side. What do we do? What do we do? What do we freaking do? Can we run around them? The zombies are almost on top of them. Suddenly, a gunshot blares in the vicinity, scaring Shay and Rich. One zombie drops. Another gunshot blares. The other zombie drops. A mixture of blood and something else leaks out of the wound. Josh stands there with his arm and gun raised as a small trail of smoke leaks out of the barrel of his pistol. Gentlemen, I have a feeling we are somewhere we can't escape and we can't afford to, he to hesitate. We have to blast these fiends away. Rich and Shay inspect the zombies. They both have name tags from their former grocery store jobs. Corin Space <laughs> and Eric S. All right, quickly, let's go into that building and regroup. They enter an office that is dimly lit by emergency lighting. They stand in the entranceway with a wall of former workers. Beefy, Ivan, Josh M, Josh L, J-Holebro, Larissa, Paul, Cy, the Zalbi, and Tawny. Ugh, hope they made it out of here to safety. Look, they even have a cute pet wall. Don't forget our awesome office doggos, Amber and Fletch, and our cute office cats, Eric and James. The door locks behind them. The three run to the door to try to open it, but it won't budge. The office is filled with growls and screams. Office doors are flung open, and the hallway is filled with zombies. The three gasp and shout in fright. They pull out their firearms and blast away at the zombies. After a minute of gunfire, screaming, and tussles, the zombies are disposed of. A stack of bodies litters the hallway floor. Ooh. Ooh. Guys, I'm fucking over zombies. The, the door behind them unlocks, and the three pour out onto the street. In front of them is a disfigured, towering form. It stands over two meters tall and has too many limbs to count. It has two heads. Guys, that's Burniton. 
It's invincible! Run! Without, without hesitation, the three run towards the survivor and escape down an alley. The monstrosity stands in the street watching them and gurgles out a chuckle, knowing it's only a matter of time before it feasts on their flesh. And scene. Good job, guys. That was an awesome performance. Well done. Good read. Good read, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really fucking fun. I threw a southern accent on the end there, so it was <laughs> no, clear I, I was a different it. character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it helped. No, no, I, that's exactly how I imagined it. And Josh, had you had some improvisation in there that I was really a big fan of. Good job. Hmm. I dig it. Big fan, guys. That was really fun. Um, but yeah, no, I want to say a special thank you to each and every one of the patrons this month. Um, the with the recent kind of reshuffling of everything that's happened, the fact that people want to still stay on board and support us is in freaking incredible. So seriously, guys, thank you so much. Um, seriously, I was yeah, really, been I was really sappy around. about it last month. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep it less sappy this month, but seriously, thank you guys so much. Um, I hope we hope actually that you guys enjoyed those shout outs. Um, got back to writing some, I was kind of influenced by resident evil village on that one. Originally I was going to, mirror the game but i was like you know what let's let's set it a little bit apart from that i don't want to just rip off a game and just insert us and other people in there so yeah hopefully everybody enjoyed that that was fun for me to write this morning um waking up at five o'clock this morning to write it but um, Woo! anyways um, again, if you want to check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash swordchomp, you want to get involved in the action, please head over there. Um, lots of tiers to check out and, uh, you'd help keep the lights on here and you'd help us, uh, with wanting to create new content that we're interested in creating. So, uh, that's going to be about it for the show this week. Uh, it was a really fun show guys. I had a, I had a lot of fun. Um, a few backend things to comment. Uh, if you are not already following us at Instagram or at the Twitter, that's at Swordchomp. Uh, check us out there. We are constantly posting stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we love to interact with you guys and get to know you guys. Um, head over to the site at Swordchomp.com uh, where you can read Rich's and my reviews that we've written. I haven't written that many, mainly Rich is the editorial kind of person there. You can check that out. And you can check out um, some of our other stuff. You can subscribe to our podcast um other various things and you, like i said you can subscribe to our podcast at all of the major places but uh any last things uh merch uh redbubble.com slash people slash sword chomp or you can just head to our site and follow the links there um we also on the site have some other podcasts that you can check out uh chomping after dark and evoking the sublime if you're interested in getting more content from us and last but not least, if you want to contact us, you can DM us on any of the social medias, or you can send us an email at swordchomp at gmail.com, and we will answer you if you have any questions or you want to give us any comments, um, words of encouragement, or a big old fuck you to me. That's fine or as well. Or I mean, discouragement. Do what you, you got to do. Um, but no, I want to thank Rich uh, for being here from New York. I want to thank Josh for being here from Michigan. Um, I was your host, Shay, from Japan, and we will be back next week. Uh, and before I forget, Josh will be gone next week. Um, he is going on another adventure to try and find the oldest wine in the world. Um, 
Rich and I will be the Somalier's quest. We're calling it. That's mm-hmm. that's that's true. Uh, we might or might not be joined by a guest. I am currently in the process of getting that lined up. So stay tuned. We will be back next week in some way, shape, or form with another episode of the 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 the. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. See ya. <laughs>